Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of the Real Talk podcast. It's been a while since I've hosted. Um, I, I've, been, I've been gone, so I might be a little rusty here, but I'm excited to get back in the vibes, get back into it. Uh, of course, I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Seth, George, and Tyler. Um, appreciate everyone coming out and listening to this episode. We're recording on, on Saturday this week, so if any major news drops on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon and we don't talk about it, sorry. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll get started just real quick running through like what the episode kind of looks like. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, we have reviews this week on Asteroid City and No Hard Feelings. Obviously, we'll go through some news, nerd news and trailers. Um, and then this week, we'll be drafting the worst characters of the Hunger Games. Or so like worst characters for the Hunger Games. So like we've done best characters. We did a monster, a robot man woman and then regular celebrity we're doing that exact same format just doing the absolute worst characters um no babies allowed i said you must have a fully grown Um, fully grown human um i texted that seth so i that that was in that was in right can i just just check are we doing the same format as last time as well the exact same yeah just just worst characters so like like with a robot with a yeah i just said that oh shit like two seconds ago. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, and then, of course, we we obviously have merch. The bit the the biggest thing right now is our Barbenheimer shirt. Uh, shout out Tyler for putting that together. Uh, very funny shirt. You gotta wear it if you're going to the uh, to the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature, which I'm still doing. People got their Barbie tickets early. I'm still doing the double feature. It'll be on my birthday. So shout out me. Um, realtalkpodcast.com for any of our merch but i do know right now the barbenheimer shirt is is probably our best one that we have out there uh obviously shout outs to our patreon uh we say it every week but we really could not do this without them it's really the only reason that we're able to come on and talk for three hours a day um so shout out to everyone who's in that we've updated our tiers a little bit i'm sure you've heard us mention that but um do want to mention it again starting off seth how, how's your week been yeah, pretty good. Uh, very lackluster in comparison to last week. Haven't really done too much of anything crazy. Went to see Asteroid City, done some work, um, got some stuff sorted out for next week. Um, do another shoot next week, which is cool. Pretty, pretty standard, boring week as far as I'm concerned. Nothing really much going on. I've watched a crazy amount of films. Um, finally ticked off Black Mirror, which obviously I'll go over and what we've been watching in a bit. Say my quick thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty standard week as far as I'm concerned. Awesome, good. Uh, George, how are you? I'm good. Pretty much the same as Seth. Uh, it was a short week in the United States because we had off on Monday, so the work week kind of flew by, which was nice. Um, I'm not like considered a new employee anymore, so I don't have to be in five days a week. So I've been able to work from home. What the five hell? Days, which is... What? Oh, nice. That's just so nice. I I yeah, know. I know. Yeah, I respect. Very nice. So I'm I'm only going in four days now, which is great. I'm 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 working from home on uh, Fridays. Um, But no, other than that, pretty standard week. The Bear season two dropped, so I was really happy about that. Absolutely killed that in one day. 
Um, and then compared to like my previous couple of weeks, this is a this was a pretty big week of movie watching. Not necessarily things off my watch list, but just watched you know more films this week compared to to my previous couple of weeks. So that's that's always good. And yeah, it's been raining in the city, so I don't know. Boring, boring day then. Yeah, yeah, boring day after we're done recording this pod. That's fair, Tyler. You got a little mood lighting going. How are you? Yeah, I've had this mood lighting going last past like month, but you've just been so MIA that you just haven't even noticed. <laughs> well, I've noticed it, but today feels like really mood lit. Yeah, I think really. Yeah, I don't know. I think it might just be cloudy outside, so like the natural sunlight's not coming in that lights it up a bit. But it's been a it's been a hectic week. Been super busy with work. Second week on the job. Just basically back to back all day with meetings. So it's, it's just busy days. And Thursday was like the longest day of my life because Riley went back home to Texas for the weekend. So I drove her to the airport at 2 a.m. my time. My first meeting of the day was 6 a.m. So I got home from the airport at like 3.30 a.m. And I was like, eh, I'm not just going to go sleep for like an hour and a half again and just get get up and go back to work. I was just like, I'm just going to stay up. So I just recorded a bunch of content, went right into work, worked all day, ran some errands, then did a double feature of Asteroid City and No Hard Feelings, then like got back home at like 10. So it was like a 2 a.m. to 10 p.m. day. So then yesterday I just kind of recovered all day and just chilled because I was I'm surprised you didn't fall asleep dead. like in the screening. Honestly, I, I, I like weirdly had a lot like or I like weirdly wasn't tired. I was doing all right. But then yesterday I just like couldn't do much. I just like we had a yeah. pretty much lazy day, but it's OK because Thursday I packed like two days worth of activities into one. But um, yeah, I got the house to myself this weekend. It's uh, nice. I don't know. It's busy work still with a new puppy. Like it's still like you can't really take your eyes off him, which is like stressful and annoying. Cause I'm like, oh, I just want to chill and like lay on the couch. But like every like hour or so you have to like get up and like stare at them and make sure they're not about to do some shit. But um. But yeah, all in all, things are good. Hot as hell out here. Um, so we'll see what I do after this episode. If I want to like go out and be productive all day or if I want to just stay in my office and work on Real Talk. I was going to say, does the heat in Arizona like make you want to go outside and spend the day outside? Or is it like too hot to the point where you don't even want to step outside? Yeah, um, I don't know. I like to lay out like at some point every day and like read a book or something. Just like enjoy the sun, but definitely like limited. Like you can't be outside too long during these like crazy yeah, summers. But like, I might go golf. The golf courses are always pretty empty in the summer, so I just kind of get them to myself, and they're also super cheap. Um, but yeah, I think I think I might be golfing today or at least tomorrow. But yeah, it's it's like you do one. You have one activity outside. You can be like, oh, I'll go lay out, or I'll go golf, or I don't know, go run errands outside. But it's like you don't want to be doing all day stuff outside, or else like. Yeah, it would suck. That's fair. fair. Um, yeah, I uh, I obviously have been traveling for the last three weekends, so it's nice to be home. But right now, I have like three suitcases all behind us, behind me. So I'm very thankful. Tyler cuts us off a little bit at the bottom because this my room's just an absolute mess right now. Have not done laundry. Um, honestly, probably will like halfway through this podcast. I'll just grab a suitcase and dump it in the washer because we are we are on e with clothes right now um was in florida this week uh it was good it was a great time um it's it's funny because like in florida obviously the summer they're like this is our off season so basically there were no lines and whereas everywhere else that i've ever been the summer is obviously where it's most packed but in florida that's obviously where everyone goes um, during the winter. So it was kind of nice to be there in the off season. I, I thought about it and I guess I've never really been there in the summer. So like everything that we would have done would have been like 10 times more packed if it were not, uh, just 
if it were not June. So that was nice. Uh, shout out Emma's cousin Olivia got married last week. Um, I guess technically the episode we recorded last week was after the wedding. So maybe I said it then, but um, shout out Emma. Yesterday was her birthday. So June 23rd, 2023. Everyone, please say happy birthday to Emma. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing really crazy. Kind of flew back. Um, thank you, George. Um, flew back. Bailey was great on the plane, unlike some other kids. So if you ever hear kids crying on a plane, just know that's not my kid. He's he's a king. He uh, just he, he had a rough flight flight back, but the flight there was great. Um, flight back, he cried for like twenty minutes and then knocked out for the other two hours. So I think that's pretty good. Um, Can you feel like the people around you on the plane? Like when you when you get on, do you like feel the judgment of people around you where they're all like, oh, fuck, this guy's so I, I I used to be very anti baby on plane. So like now I now I try not to be obviously. But again, he was great. He, and, you know, like a baby crying, you can't really hear. It's the baby like screaming bloody murder. And there was one kid that like the whole ride was just high pitched yelling. The entire time and was clearly and i feel like it's never really like the babe like babies sleep pretty well it's always like a one or two year old um that because they can get pretty loud and they start to feel like their ears pop and you know they start they actually like understand things that are going on so they freak out the most um but yeah it was it was a loud flight there were a lot of kids actually that were not happy on this flight but yeah. Shout out Bailey. He's, he's a boss. He, he enjoyed, he enjoyed his time in Florida, his first vacation. Um, but yeah, didn't really, unfortunately didn't get to see the the reviews this week due to flying back on Thursday night. And then Friday night being Emma's birthday, couldn't really dip out on her, um, on, on the birthday, but it was good. Yesterday we went to like a, um, we went to like a water park, but it was like a 21 plus at nighttime shut down at 10 PM. I feel like that's kind of bullshit. Like for a 21 plus event, I feel like shutting down at 10 PM when you have the entire place lit up, like it's not a lighting thing. I don't know that, that, that feels a little questionable, but it was Maybe fun. The town had a curfew. Huh? Maybe the town had a curfew. Nah, it doesn't like it's just like in if you if you're from the Indianapolis area, the Monon Center doesn't have a curfew. I don't know. I think it was like eight to ten. And I feel like two hours for a water park um, and drinking and stuff is just not enough because, you know, there's like 10 slides there. We did a yeah. rock climbing wall into the water. I got to the top. No big deal. Uh, yeah, it just feels like that's that's not a long enough time, but it, it was very fun nonetheless. Um, moving on, we'll, we'll, we'll just get right into the reviews this week. We'll uh, start with Asteroid City because that was uh, the biggest release of the week, I would say. Um, Wes Anderson's 11th movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, yeah um, let me yeah. pull up the description because I'm not prepared, but I do believe George, Seth, and Tyler were able to go see this. Um, so I, I, I do appreciate y'all being able to check it out. So world changing events, spectacular disrupt, spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of junior stargazer space cadet convention slash space cadet convention in an American desert town circa 1955 directed by, uh, as I mentioned, Wes Anderson, obviously starring Jason, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Maya Hawk, Tom Hanks, um, was Margot Robbie in it? Yeah, but yeah. not for long. Okay, well, she's she's listed. Tony Ravioli, 
uh, Adrian Brody, just all the all the Wes Anderson fellas that are always in. Bill Murray, I'm sure, made an appearance at one point. Or he didn't. Actually. He didn't. Oh, First film since his okay. debut that didn't have Bill Murray. Damn. Yeah. I, I, I obviously he wasn't like in the main cast, but I kind of figured he'd yeah. make an appearance. But yeah, Tom, massive Tom, cast. Tom, Tom Hanks replaced him as like the old white guy. Yeah, <laughs> there's always the old white guy. Um, there's always a lot of white guys, but uh, <laughs> usually uh, nothing but white guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very, very Wes Anderson. That's his actual style. Um, but yeah, massive cast. Uh, probably the most stacked cast of the of the summer, um, other than Oppenheimer. If I uh, do, we agree? You think Barbie's yeah, bigger? No, Barbie's no, definitely I like Barbie. bigger. I think it's Oppenheimer or Asteroid City. Yeah, so this it's is probably, probably the biggest. Actually, yeah. this has Jeffrey Wright, so good on you, Wes Anderson. Way to, way to try, I guess. Um, um, but yeah, so we'll 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 move on, or we'll get into the review. We'll start with Tyler. Uh, I think he went the earliest. Maybe George yeah. did. I don't know. We'll start with Tyler. I think yeah. he liked it the most. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like still recovering from that that introduction to this whole review portion of the episode. That was a lot. Wes um, Anderson, <laughs> way to make a way to make strides, man. Try a little harder next time. Um, it's not the first. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright's been in a few of his films, but um, yeah, Asteroid oh, City. Yeah, yeah. So Asteroid City, I going into it, I did not expect this to be what it was, and like I said in my <laughs> review, it's. It's really couldn't have come at a better time for Wes Anderson because this is like in the midst of all the TikTok trends that are like, we have Wes Anderson style exactly figured out. It's just center frame, color palettes, and you got Wes Anderson done. And then he releases his most meta, like biggest brain movie he's ever done in terms of complicated themes and like trying to be super nuanced and layered. So I'm like, I feel like it was just like the perfect time. He like luckily had this film coming out when like all these people are just I don't know. I just swear I look at all these TikTok trends and see all the comments. And it's like everyone, like I just refuse to believe they all actually know who Wes Anderson even is or have seen a single Wes Anderson movie just because he is like still at the end of the day, he's a very popular director, but he's still like niche. Like he's not, he's not a box office blowout kind of guy. He he, got a couple in the early 2010s, but he's never lightened up the box office. So I feel like there's so many people who still don't know who he is that do all these trends, but it was super meta tackle so many different things like stylistically it's him on hyperdrive like this is like super wes anderson he like you got obviously the color palettes you got you know the same old style we know and love with the way he frames and pans the camera but beyond that just with having like the play inside of a movie with having the the cue cards that like say what scene is about to be like it just felt like super wes andersony and uh which i personally enjoy i think it's like creative it's different some people don't enjoy it it's perfectly fine i can see why it wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea but I don't know. I feel like this just looked at so many different things. We'll talk more once we get into like spoilers, I guess, or whatever. But uh, so I'll just kind of leave it there. Like, I feel like he just tackled so many different themes in such a creative and interesting way. And it's such a short movie. Like, it's like runtime's one oh five minutes, but like his actual like time on screen is probably like ninety five minutes or something. So it's like it's so short. Yeah, they packed in so much here about grief, trauma, loss, where our places in the universe, and just kind of the idea of what storytelling is in its very nature i don't know i just i, I really enjoyed it i gave it a 9.2 out of 10 for 4.5 stars didn't think i would enjoy it that much and uh, yeah speaking of like the most stacked cast ever it is funny because there's so many people in it that are like household names but a lot of them get like a couple seconds of screen time like willem dafoe like got like two lines and like was very non-central to the theme focus um jeff goldblum obviously barely in it 
Uh, Margot Robbie for a second there. I thought like the one the for our first introduction to Margot Robbie for a second yeah. during the movie. I thought that was going to be it. And I was like, that'd same, be bold. Wes. <laughs> that'd be a bold move. Wes. I, I thought exactly. The same. Yeah. Like, surely. Which not. I low key would have liked, like I love Margot Robbie, but I would have like respected that as like, damn, like, yeah. yeah. Cause everyone was always like, why is Margot Robbie last? And it's like, and Margot Robbie. I'm like, damn, if he really just, she wasn't in the trailer or anything like that. Right. Cause yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'll save stuff from when we get like into like the more spoiler section, which it's not really like a super spoilery movie, but I'll leave it there and let the other boys speak. So I really enjoyed it. Didn't think I'd enjoy it that much. I didn't love French dispatch. I know George is really high on it. So this is a good bounce back for Wes Anderson for me personally. And yeah, I just think this is the most meta he's ever gone in any of his films. And I appreciated that on top of just the style I, I really enjoyed. Like, I mean, Naturally, the desert provides a lot of like reds, oranges, cool color palette, and he played with it really well. We'll, uh, we'll bounce to George. We'll do a little high, low, high action. <laughs> um, so, George, this is your lowest Wes Anderson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is my lowest Wes Anderson rating. And I, I want every, everyone I've talked to has said that this is a movie that will benefit from rewatch. I think most movies benefit from rewatch. So, I definitely am going to try to get to the theater again this week to see it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This movie just didn't resonate with me the way other Wes Anderson films have. And obviously take everything I say with a grain of salt, cause I'm in the vast minority and thinking that French dispatch is his best film. So I'm a very like weird on Wes Anderson. Um, but yeah, this, like Tyler said, stylistically, this is his most Wes Anderson film. And I felt I felt like that was very off-putting when he's trying to tackle incredibly like deep themes of like trauma and grief and shit that Tyler mentioned, you know, where's your place in the universe? Just it was a mesh and a pairing that just didn't necessarily work for me. And I had such a hard time like locking myself into this movie. I kept trying to find something, some character, some plot point where I was like, yes, this is intriguing, this is engaging, this is like holding my attention. It just never came. To me, this film just dragged along like crazy um which sucks because like i said i'm coming off the french dispatch which i think is his best film so i i was really excited to see what he was going to follow that up with um but yeah nothing to knock stylistically this is a beautiful beautiful film to look at i think his editing style is is really interesting it's very unique you know tyler said it again he is a very niche director he has a very interesting style of filmmaking which i could absolutely respect but when you give me that style of filmmaking at its like absolute heights in terms of like its quirkiness i feel like that was a bad time to try to pair that with very deep themes of trauma and and just it just never landed for me um so yeah i I did not hate the movie by any means um I, i enjoyed uh you know a loose tackle of science fiction um, I, I like the, uh, you know, going back and forth from the color of the play to the black and white of the behind the scenes. I thought that was very cool. The cue cards were super Wes Anderson-y. Um, but yeah, overall, I went with a two and a half out of five. I'm hoping on rewatch I can get that up a little bit, maybe after chatting with you guys and understanding where you're coming from. But for now, landed at a two and a half. It is my lowest rated Wes Anderson. But of course, I haven't seen like the Darjeeling Limited in forever. I haven't seen Bottle Bottle Rocket, Rocket yet. Yeah. Yeah, so so maybe that last place is a bit harsh, but that that's just where it lands for me for now. And I did just want to fact check myself real quick on the box office thing for Wes Anderson. So, Grand Budapest Hotel is by far his biggest movie at one seventy three million, but everything else is like forty to sixty. So yeah, like in general, I'd say he's like 
he's a niche big director, I guess. So he's like in he's that big director, huge fan base. Right. Yeah, he's in that like big director tier, but like at the most niche level, I feel like. Yeah. So he's, so he's making flash money. Perfect. Uh, uh, Seth, <laughs> you're up. Uh, yeah I, so i i don't know if i'm the highest on this tyler do you know where it stacks up with your other wes anderson films second to grand budapest hotel but i think this is his most oh. ambitious story but i liked uh, just in terms of just enjoyment grand budapest hotel would probably be hard to top personally yeah so i'm exactly the same as tyler then this is second in my wes anderson um i actually went through and finished his film for this week and i think wes anderson's such an interesting director where everyone has a different list like George, for example, French Dispatch is his favorite. Me and Tyler, French Dispatch is my second to least favorite. Uh, Bottle Rocky being my least. I think it's least favorite for Tyler, maybe. I don't have that one rated. I don't know where it stacks up. A lot of Wes Anderson I watched pre 2021, so I don't have it like on Letterboxd. What, French Dispatch? French, no, French Dispatch I have low. I thought you were talking about Bottle Rocket for a second where I have that. No, right. I mean, French, French Dispatch. French Dispatch I have like a 2.5. I just didn't care for it. So I think like, me and you just. And George, like, yeah, like you said, we have different viewpoints on Wes Anderson, which, like you said, I think, I think everyone, everyone kind of does. Yeah. So I think this is very much a Wes. This is like I said in my review, this is Wes Anderson doing his best Wes Anderson. It's not going to convert anyone who isn't into his style already. Um, but Wes Anderson fans, particularly like myself, who do enjoy all his movies, I think most of us will, will enjoy it. I think it's arguably his most profound work yet, in my opinion. Um, I think... My issue with previous films is the French Dispatch particularly it lacked the emotional weight, and I think this one carried so much. It put me into a feeling of uh, overwhelming sense of kind of wonderment and being in awe at the production and also the characters, particularly Jason Schwartzman and um, Scarlett Johansson's character. I actually think Scarlett Johansson, her best, it's her best performance I've seen her give. I haven't seen um, Marriage Story, though. I haven't seen Marriage Story, so I take that into consideration. I hope people you know, love her in that. Um, Have you seen Iron Man 2? I have seen Iron Man too. I have seen. He was Iron pretty Man. peak in that, guys. <laughs> pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, like, I was kind of left with an existential feeling of kind of dread and 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 wonderment. I think it's, but I do think it's self-serving nature. It is very self-indulgent for Wes Anderson. I think that's what puts a lot of people off, and you know that's why I get why George didn't like it and a lot of other people. I think it's, I think it's powerful. I think the imagery is incredible. I, I think that it just has such great work with his characters, whereas I'm kind of the opposite of George. And the setting and the quirkiness works for me in terms of provoking this this kind of emotional level um, in terms of the tackle of grief, in terms of kind of the nihilistic dismemberment of, of American traditions, I think it was, was was massive in this. Um, and I, I think it was like a, a soulful and heart and full of heart, like um, exploration of like performing arts, um, you know, plays, movies, that sort of thing. I, I thought it was really well intricate and just, and just incredibly well designed. But I think, you know, everywhere's Anderson now is is well-designed and intricate and meticulous detail. Even people who don't like him will say that. So I think that's not... Saying that's kind of obvious, and I think what works for me most in this was the characters, which is usually what works for me least in Wes Anderson films. Um, but yeah, that's my kind of quick thoughts. I get a 4.5. Uh, it's my second ever, best ever Wes, Wes Anderson out of his 11 films. In between um, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Budapest Hotel, I think this could even be a 5 and rewatch. I loved it. Um, I just, yeah, I thought it worked really, really well. And um, I'm very intrigued to see what Cam will think of it when he watches actually. Cam, how many Wes Anderson have you, have you seen? I have seen more than I've rated, but I think I've only seen slash rated Grand Budapest, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and... Um, um, Maybe French Dispatch. I love dogs. French Dispatch and, and Moonrise Kingdom. Do I have Isle of Dogs? I don't think I have Isle of Dogs rated. I think I saw it a long time ago, but not... 
Because I'd be intrigued to see what not, where, where you stunned on. Not on enough to remember it. Yeah, I'm not a huge Wes Anderson guy. I've just never like tried to get into his filmography too much. I I definitely will. Be, until this uh, week. Yeah, I think you said you finished it up. Um, but I, it, it, you know, I like his. I fucking love the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, and then I just like the other ones that I actually I love. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I like uh, Moonrise Kingdom and French Dispatch. Um. But I'll, I'll try to get into his filmography sometime. I guess I've only rated uh, Grand Budapest and Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I remember liking Moonrise Kingdom and French Dispatch. Um, I'll get into it eventually, especially if I'm going to watch this and then try to compare it to the others. Um, I'll, I'll watch the rest of his his filmography. Someone I Google or I didn't Google. I looked it up on Letterboxd. His uh, his filmography and this person's list has Life Aquatic at number one broker woke <laughs> don't people hate that movie that is i mean people don't hate it it's oh, one okay. of my I lower thought, rated i thought, I, thought that was like, lower rated. I think it's okay, just like I seth said every literally everyone can have like different rankings and stuff of yeah this. yeah that's fair so we, should we jump uh, into guys, like spoilers or whatever yeah get into spoilers yeah. i don't i don't care if you really spoil this kind of movie for me i feel like it's i don't even i don't even think there's much to spoil i'll honestly. go do laundry y'all y'all take your time i'll, I'll come back <laughs> in two seconds so you, you do your thing what one thing before we even get into spoilers about Wes Anderson movies, his like dry humor is so hit or miss for me from movie to movie, which is crazy because it's like the same style of humor every single film, but it just depends on like the jokes and how they land for me. I swear to God, I was the only person in my theater that did not laugh once. Like I didn't, I didn't That's break a smile. I was the opposite. I was probably the only one who laughed in mine. Bro, I mean, even like the French Dispatch made me laugh. The dry Wes Anderson humor has always like worked for me. Some movies more than others, but for some reason, Asteroid City, I just wasn't finding any of it particularly funny. Like I just Not I even wasn't laughing. No. Oh wow. Which also that threw me off because I like I think Josiah's Letterboxd uh, review was Steve Carell carried, and I'm like, no, he did not. I think that's just the Steve Carell like. Because he's got to be, it's Steve Carell, isn't it? Everyone likes him. It's one of those yeah. kind of things. I don't know. I, nothing, I didn't find it. Personally, like, I didn't find it funny. My whole theater didn't laugh, but then I saw a lot of reviews online that said, like, my theater was hysterical. So I agree. Like, I didn't personally find it funny, but I still really liked yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't his funniest film by yeah. far. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think my lack... it wasn't, like, you know, funny. Yeah, I, funny. I don't think my lack of laughter, like, held back the rating that much. Like, I knew that wasn't the point. Like, no, not with this film. Definitely, with like this it's film. not a, like yeah, it's not a comedy. Like I don't go in expecting to laugh, but like there were some like jokes that were just landed and people were like dying, and I was like, that's just not that. Yeah, funny. that that does surprise. I had a few chuckles with the Steve Carell bits. I just find him generally quite funny, and some of the dry humor does work for me. But I think this was more personal, more intimate. I don't think it's very much a a comedy per se, and it's not something where if you don't no. laugh, it's going to bring that rating down directly for you. I think that'd be kind of weird if you went into it and you were like, oh, I, I rated it lower because I didn't laugh. Well, you, not many. I don't think many people laughed at this. You know what I mean, I, I had comments on my review saying it's Wes's funniest film yet, um, which is fine if you think that, obviously, whatever. I, I think it was funny. I, I had a few chuckles, but I think Wes has done a lot more, which have leaned into the comedy. I think this very much leaned into more of the grief and traditions, etc. I think I don't think it was particularly comedy-orientated most of the time. I think he just, because of his dialogue and the, the cast, more than anything... You've got Steve Carell, who has a certain delivery, especially with his films, and I think it 
inherently has comedic moments, but it wasn't a, a comedy film. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like something you're going to howl at the whole time. Well, well, yeah, I didn't. Like, really neither, neither was the French Dispatch, but like that still made me chuckle. Like that had so many like quick one-liners. Like Timothy Chalamet was giving quips. Francis McDormand was dropping lines that were just making me cry. Yeah. Maybe not cry, but laugh. I guess I think, yeah, I'd say French Dispatch was probably... Especially with Timmy Chalmers' character lead more into the comedy because he had a lot of like kind of one-liners. He yeah. I liked his character a lot, and I was just a quirky guy. But this is like all of his character writing, really. Um, but yeah, I, I found it funny, just not a laugh out loud consistently. I was yeah. more sad to be honest when I left. Like it really did put me in this existential feeling of just like crisis, and um, it really, really saddened me at points, which I think is what Wes Anderson is so successful. Like, I think. The most impressive thing for me is I'd usually be in George's position where he does rely on the quirkiness quite a lot because it's a Wes Anderson film, especially with this. This is a very Wes Anderson film. But I think for me, one of the biggest accomplishments I take from it is he manages to balance that and still have me emotionally impacted as well. Because for any director, that's a really hard thing to do. If you've got that amount of quirkiness, that amount of dry humor at points to actually uh, you know, revoke an emotional impact out of your viewer, I think that's... um like a massive accomplishment in general. And it, it works for me. I know it didn't work for you, George, and, and a lot of people, to be fair. Cause... Yeah, but I, I think that's what separates me and you, you two's viewing experience. Like, I just didn't care for the emotional aspect of this film. Like, the characters, yeah. there was just... I don't know. And maybe I watched the film incorrectly, but there was very little substance. I don't think, I don't think you watched it incorrectly. I just think it's just different viewpoints. It's like me with yeah. Dispatch, you... Yeah, I, I'm exactly. There, there was just very know. little in this movie for me to like really latch onto and be emotionally connected to or invested to, and that that's what like threw me off. Like obviously, like I said, there's nothing knocking this movie in terms of like style. Like I love yeah. the way Wes Anderson shoots his films and edits his films. It was the substance aspect of it, and I hate being that guy to say style over substance because I know that this movie is thematically rich. Just none of those themes landed with me. None of those themes resonated with me the way maybe, you know, something like a Fantastic Mr. Fox or an Isle of Dogs have resonated with me over the years. Yeah, that's, that's fair. For me, the, the main takeaway I got from this movie, like especially with how fragmented it was with the the cue cards every like, you know, seven minutes or so with like a new new act, new scene, is that I just really got like this, the takeaway of this is just humans telling stories to kind of pro- try and process things that, aren't able to really be processed. And the biggest, the biggest thing I got from that was Brainiac and like the fellow stargazers, how like they go around the circle, like naming things and you see, they've been doing it for like hours and like, they're so smart. They'll never lose that game. They can figure out like any math equation. They can invent any crazy thing. But when like the aliens come, like they realize that they really don't know anything and that there's just a vast uncertainty and unknown in the universe. And even them that are like the smartest people on the planet still realize they're just such a small piece of the puzzle and aren't able to have answers for everything. And then like the stories are like, cause like Augie and Midge play, played by Scarlett Johansson and Jason Schwartzman. Clearly Jason Schwartzman is dealing with grief and loss. Like he lost his wife, doesn't know how to tell his kids, doesn't really know how to put it behind him, how he should move forward. And then uh, Midge is clearly dealing with some like heavy trauma with like her character. And like, she's like, Oh, and, trying to she always says like oh i'm trying to get into character or like put on this makeup that looks like she got beat and like clearly she's like processing some stuff with that and then when you peel back the layer and you're like jason schwartzman's like play character who then goes talk to margot robbie who played his wife and then they're talking about grief and loss there too so i just feel like there's just so many different 
ways Wes Anderson used stories, whether it was the play within within the movie or when you peel it back and go behind the scenes of the play. It's just all these different characters, all these different yeah. side stories that all tackle so many things that kind of the overarching answer is just like there is really no answer and there's no justification for so many things in life and how to process it all. And then obviously the powerful ending, um, which it was powerful, but I f- forgot what the quote was. It was like, you can't, you can't be, you can't fall asleep unless you're awake or you can't stay awake unless you fall asleep. And then they just repeat that over and over. I was like, damn, it's getting like cult like at the end here. And, uh, That's- yeah, just a whole galaxy in the outer space. Like when they're putting stuff on the moon, it's like, why would you put a star on the moon? And it's like, why would you do any, like, it's just, this whole movie is just about how like there is no answer. Things don't have to make sense and that's okay. And it's kind of the point of the movie for me. That's kind of the takeaway I got. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I can totally see why this isn't for everyone. Like, I, I think this is one of Wes's least accessible films, which is why I'm like, might be least like his like, like right yeah so I, yeah it's definitely on, d- down there in terms of accessibility so i'm like really interested to see like next week or as the weeks go on what the audience score ends up being because like all these tiktokers who just heard of him for the first time like all, all the people who just like not movie talkers but people who just saw the trends are they going to go see this i feel like this is one that if they do go see this they're going to hate it so interesting i think this could be his um lowest average rated film on let's watch i genuinely think it could be that i think it's 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 like tyler said at least accessible you're watching you know i don't even know what we got into this but this is how much there's to it and go back to what george said i think this does this will require multiple watchings we're watching brian cranson obviously who is you know hosting a tv special talking about asteroid city which is a fake play and then looking behind the meanings and the makings of the play there's so much to it. You know, the differences in, in aspect ratio, I thought were really, really cool. How he kept uh, going back and forth. And I really like the moment. Uh, if you guys remember when, when Brian Cranston's in Asteroid City and then he's like, oh, I'm not meant to be here, am I? Because he's not actually in the play. And I, I just think it's really, really clever. But I do think it's, um, it's going to be very divisive. It's going to be very interesting. And I think for most people, it might... I don't know if you will like it on another watch, George. You may, may just not be for you. But I think it's worth it because I think that this... I don't think I don't think anyone can really absorb all what it's trying to give you in just one viewing. There's also a lot of kind of notable mentions to to writers, to playwrights. So there's Wes Anderson always has these like little nods um, towards um, historical figures in certain industries, and I think it's impossible to get all that in one viewing. Especially like Tyler said, it, it's probably that ends up being like 95 minutes, you know, not including the um, credits, the credits intro. Yeah, and I think that it tackles so much in that period, it's going to be impossible to, to absorb all that. But I'm very interested to see where this goes with ratings. I actually think, I actually checked before this, Bottle Rocket is like a 3.5, which was his debut, his lowest rated one. I think it could be around that mark because I think this is this will be like the most divisive Wes Anderson today because he leans so heavily into his style and it's not very accessible. Can you imagine if this was someone's first Wes Anderson film and they went into this? You'd be like what the fuck like i probably wouldn't like this nearly as much if this was my first wasn't film and i think it, it benefited me that i watched all of his films this week so it's kind of fresh in mind i, I well not all of my i had like six to watch and i watched all six this week so i had his style it was fresh it was there and i was enjoying it and i think that that benefits my watch um yeah very very intrigued to see kind of what the overall reaction will be like in in, uh, in a couple of weeks i'd say yeah i definitely need a rewatch because there's so much I still don't understand. Like, I don't understand the still understand. Like when the alien came down, they just grabbed the meteor just to like inventory it and put it back. Didn't really catch they like, really what that was supposed to mean. The, um, the alien, man, that was so fun. Did you not laugh at that? I found that really funny. 
when he comes down and he's like, <laughs> I, I, I love the alien design of Wes Anderson film. Well, so like that's what's funny because we talked about Margot Robbie. Like for our first introduction to her is just like she's a basically Jason Schwartzman's wife who dies, and we just see like a picture of her because he's a photographer. And for like a long chunk of the movie, I thought that was gonna be all we saw of Margot Robbie. I was like, damn. Same thing for Jeff Goldblum as an alien. I thought we wouldn't even see his face. I thought it was just going to be like, he's the guy in the suit. We will never see him. Because yeah. it was trending that on. way. Because like Willem Dafoe is in this cast, but he gets like two lines. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, which makes sense. This movie's like 95 minutes. And there's like 30 people that are like household names, almost actors. Like they're not all going to get like a lot of screen time. But and then there's obviously Adrian Brody, who was the director of the play. And we see a lot of monologues with him, which I thought were great. I, I realized those sequences where he's talking to... Um, Jason Schwartzman's character, I think they were fantastic. And I think that was a really interesting character for him to play. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. Like, I loved it when we saw Jeff Glob- uh, Goblin behind behind the scenes, just sat there with the mask off, just speaking to him about how he's playing the alien. I just thought that was really, really clever. But it just kind of goes back to like what Seth was saying. Like, It's impossible to unpack this all in one viewing. Like I said, yeah. I, pu- I pulled a lot from this, but still, no, there's so many portions of this movie that just went completely over my head that I just did not understand. I don't know, like... I guess it was the point for like the three daughters to be chaotic and I don't know if there's a sound editing issue or this is just like on purpose but every time they like screamed it was like 10 times louder than any of the other audio in the movie maybe it's because I was like in the front row and like in the middle of the theater so the speakers were focused on me but every time that like his three daughters like all like screamed in unison like it like it like shattered my ears like ah fuck there's like 10 times louder than any of the other dialogue I don't think I noticed that to be fair yeah I think it might have just been just my theater like where I was sitting because like it was always so much louder than everything else and like pained me but yeah there's so much I mean, that just went over my head screaming to be honest right like, and yeah. and like it was meant to be chaotic every like they would all three always be like screaming at once and, and yeah and that's yeah but um yeah i don't know like i really do need to rewatch it it's not a movie i want to immediately rewatch. i think it's like whenever it comes out on streaming or whenever it's like not in theaters it's not one like i'm going to go to the theaters the next week and rewatch it i might sit on it. Again, I think. are you gonna I bring anna on. to it no i should fucking hate it <laughs> <laughs> I, Anna watched, she's only seen one and that was Grand Budapest Hotel and she gave that like a two star. And she gave that a two star, which is arguably one of his most accessible, enjoyable works. I think she, I think she would despise this. She's not like a Wes Anderson person at all. It's, it's, it's a very unique style. I think you, some people do really, really dislike him as a director, but she's one of those people. So I'll, I think I'll, I'll try and go on my own. I might take my mom or something. I might try to go on my own uh, next week again because I do want to see this again. I think this could be a strong contender for my... Um, I don't think we've mentioned this actually, especially me and Tyler. The, like my, I think this right now sits second in my films this year. Um, I haven't watched that many, bear in mind. I think I've watched like 20, 25, somewhere around there. Um, but I think if I had another watch, I think this could go first. I really, really enjoyed it. Where, where does it sit for you at the minute, Tyler? Uh, I think it's uh, fourth. Uh, oh, okay. One so it's high. Yeah. It two seconds. yeah, it is fourth out of 127. So very high praise for I mean, me. Like, Where's he for yours, George? Like last? No, twenty-four. There's been a lot of shit this 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 yeah. um, year as a films. It's definitely not near it's, that. It's, it's no, it's no skin of a rink. <laughs> it's I think a lot worse than that, George. <laughs> but it is one that Actually, like. I can't, yeah. it, it is just style on overdrive to where like I think it is just not going to be the most accessible because like the whole cue cards thing which like I said that's one of the biggest takeaways I got from it that like they did it so much because like each little story is supposed to be representative of like broader just storytelling nature of how people cope with different events and traumas in life but I yeah I guarantee like if I brought like a friend or like Riley even to like this movie like by the time like the second cue card showed up of like act two act one scene like three through six they'd be like 
okay, what the fuck is this? Like, this is, yeah. this is too frustrating, which like, it's he, very, very even me who like kind of enjoyed that, like even me at, at points, I was like, this is getting to be a lot. And like the cue cards were like, just like maybe two seconds too long of what they should have been. I'm, like, this is really like fragmenting the movie, which I get like for me, like that's one of the takeaways I got. But for people who are going to go see this that aren't very familiar with Wes Anderson, they're going to be like, Oh man, well, this maybe we should have just left this on TikTok. <laughs> I would love people's reaction for this to be their first Wes Anderson film. I just think that'd be hilarious, man. Like, I'd just love to see what people thought if it was his first film. I think it's just it. It really is Wes Anderson being so self indulgent and just doing everything he wants in this film, which works for me, but definitely doesn't work for a, for a lot of people. What I'm finding anyway. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I have a couple of uh, fun facts on IMDb we can go over if we don't have anything else to say. Go crazy. Oh, nice. Crazy. Uh, so, no, I don't think we're going to To answer George's or Cam bringing up Bill Murray, um, Bill Murray was originally cast in Steve Carell's role in this movie, but he contracted oh, COVID-19 yeah. shortly before filming, so they replaced him. And uh, the fun fact is this is actually the second time that Steve Carell has taken over a role from Bill Murray. The other one was Frank in Little Miss Sunshine, and I could just not picture Steve Carell mm. not being that role in Little Miss Sunshine. Um, so good. Another one, Scarlett Johansson said she had no problem filming her fr- fully full frontal nude scene, except she ended up having to that do That was her? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, they didn't show <laughs> her head, so I was so sure that that was a body. I know, and, no, and she, she talked about that, too. She said, that. like, everyone always yeah. uses body doubles, but she didn't. This is actually her. Um, she had to direct the scene herself because Wes Anderson was too embarrassed to do it, which is just such a such a funny movie nerd, movie maker nerd thing. Because like, because like, I'd almost guarantee that means in the French Dispatch that he didn't film the Leah Sado Sado fully frontal nude scene. I feel like he's like, someone else do it. I can't go in there. There's body parts. That's, or that's, that's really weird. To be I know. Honest. So she directed that scene oh, herself. <laughs> just a quirky little guy. Um, and yeah, I think that's basically it. Um, but yeah, like, it, but Bill Murray also, yeah, like we said, uh, his first film, he was not in a Wes Anderson since the debut bottle rocket. So long standing friendship. Wow. It is true. Yeah. 1996. So what? 20, 27 years ago was the last time Bill Murray was not in a Wes Anderson movie. That's, I actually didn't realize he was in every single one. That's really interesting. But yeah, that's all we got for fun facts. But yeah, I really liked it. 4.5 out of 5. I need to rewatch it. And I think it's one that will go up on rewatch for me as well. So we'll see where it ends up. And I definitely will rewatch it. So by the time my end of the year rankings comes out, we'll see just how high I can climb. All righty. As Tyler mentioned, he has a 4.5 out of 5. I believe Seth is right there with him. Seth, is this your second of the year? Second of the year, yeah. Behind Guardians or uh, Spider-Verse? Behind Guardians. Uh, sorry, behind Spider-Verse, ahead of Guardians. Ahead of Guardians, perfect. And then George, two and a half out of five. May may want to rewatch, but as of now, it is his lowest rated Wes Anderson. Moving on to No Hard Feelings. Unfortunately, I believe Tyler's the only one that got a chance to see this one this week um, as Tyler carries this pot on his back. But on the brink of losing her childhood home, a desperate woman played by Jennifer Lawrence agrees to date a wealthy couple's introverted and awkward 19-year-old son. However, he proves to be more of a challenge than she expected, and time is running out before she loses it all. Uh, no hard feelings. Directed by Gene Stupinski. Nitsky. I don't. I don't know. Uh, obviously, starring Jennifer Lawrence, as mentioned, Andrew Barth, um, Feldman, who I believe like dropped out of Harvard to film this, which. Yeah, of, of course. That was like a big story, but like, yeah, of course you would. Why Why would you not? Um, or maybe he like took the year off or something, but those are the two main stars. Uh, Tyler, I believe you you really like this. I think it's getting, it has like a, 
Uh, I'm going to bring up Seth's favorite movie reviewing site. It has like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, which doesn't really mean anything, but seems a lot lower than like what the reception I see of it online is. I feel like most people are really, really enjoying it. I know it's not a 60 out of 100. All right, 3.4, but that that seems more fair. I just feel like a 60% is is lower than what I see online. Um, so Tyler, give give your thoughts. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think we are in a revival of the the comedy genre right now. It is different than it was in the 2000s. This is like a 2000s comedy for sure. But just within the past 2 weeks seeing The Blackening, Joyride and No Hard Feelings, like these are all three comedies that hit really well. Um, whereas so many of the comedies we're used to, because I feel like comedy is a genre that's kind of died the past few years because I feel like so it's easy to do for streaming originals. So we've just been so saturated with this bad Netflix original comedies, just bad streaming comedies, like, yeah. like the day shifts and all like th- those like awful like you people, like all those awful streaming comedies. So it's rare that we get like a true theater release, true comedy that isn't something that's packed with romance or packed with sadness. Like I feel like a pure comedy people are straying away from. But Joyride, No Hard Feelings are incredibly raunchy comedies. The Blackening is an incredibly edgy comedy. So this summer has been very good, I think, for the pure comedy. And No Hard Feelings, just going to address this right right off the bat. People doing the whole if roles were reversed. So Jennifer Lawrence is 32-year-old woman. Andrew Barth Feldman's a 19-year-old man. So if we did, what, a 32-year-old man going for a 19-year-old woman? That explains about 99% of Hollywood movies. So stop with this whole if the roles are reversed. 32-year-old man and a 19-year-old woman, that's just that's just Hollywood. That's just every movie ever. That's, that's every real-life relationship ever, too. Like I swear there's Al Pacino and Robert De Niro have freaking people that are 70 years younger than them, and no one cares about that. But this movie really really wasn't creepy. It didn't toe the line. Like I think a lot of people from the trailers thought this could be like a very predatory, creepy movie. It really wasn't. It doesn't really go past that, past that edge, past that limit. It is raunchy, though, because Jennifer Lawrence, again, just like Scarlett Johansson, full nudity for like an extended time it's not even just a quick snap it's like a two-minute scene of her completely naked every seeing it tomorrow then yeah every inch of her body is fully there and like it's not quick it's just a, it's a long scene um so definitely raunchy in that that matter um and yeah she she was just incredible i think it's just like the type of movie she's meant for even though she is great in dramas like causeway she's great as a lead girl like in the hunger games but I think her natural energy and her natural person, natural personality, lended itself super well to this movie. I, I couldn't imagine that. I, I actually think Jennifer Lawrence is quite funny in a lot of things. I, yeah, I, like I, when I you see like, like her real life like interviews and stuff like that. Like this just feels like this is like, a yeah, very yeah. natural yeah. movie for her. And Andrew Barth Feldman was like every bit her equal in terms of he was super funny, played off each other super well. The hit rate on the comedy I thought was insane. I think it's obviously impossible to have a comedy that you think every joke is funny in. So it's definitely not that. There's definitely things that I was like, oh, that's not that funny. Which is, I, I, like I said this in my Joyride review, which talk about it a little later, I guess. Um, That, like, if a comedy like is like a 50% hit rate for me, I think that's, like, really good. If, like, half the jokes hit, I'm like, okay, that was, like, really yeah, good. I think it's even higher than 50%. But there's still definitely parts. And I think it, it is a rush, not rush in terms of, like, they should have packed in more, but it's just like a short movie. It's 90 minutes, which is like a perfect comedy length. But that means some of the story gets wrapped up super quick and story kind of progresses super quick. Cause basically she's trying to save money in order to save her house because her, basically her parents pass away and, and she, she inherits the house from them. But just because you get a free house doesn't mean you don't have to pay for it. Cause you have to pay taxes. And she basically just works as a bartender. So she doesn't have enough money and it's uh, she's living in like a, not a gentrified area, but it's an area like when she got the house, 
like it's basically boomed since like her property taxes are like crazy now and she can't afford it. So that's why she has to kind of go through these things because uh, her car gets like totaled. Yeah. Her car gets totaled and towed. So she has to get this new car from this family, which is kind of how this all gets kicked into motion. She has to try and get a car to be an Uber driver to save money. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's super funny. She's basically just like a super predator. Like she's like, she doesn't even try to hide it. She literally just tries to like force this guy to date her. And then basically she realized that doesn't work. So then they end up getting a, a genuine connection. It's fun. It's cute. Um, it's like barely a four star for me. It's a 7.5 out of 10. So it's like, Oh, three, four star. Yeah. So it's like a 3.5 to four. I just think, I just think I rated this extra highly because I usually dislike comedies a lot. And this felt a lot like a two thousands comedy. And this is just like the type of movie I really hope succeeds because the mid budget comedy, I truly think is like just like a dying thing. We don't get any classic yeah, instant classics anymore. Like, Immediately when the hangover and stepbrothers came out people knew immediately that that's a classic like you just know right away when stuff like that comes out Whereas we haven't had really anything like that from the comedy genre in a long time I feel like so I just hope this does well the mid-budget comedy Jennifer Lawrence is awesome in this um, And yeah, uh, it's just a good I thought it's like quite a high budget does it not? Well, like mid-budget, so like forty-five million. Like it's not a hundred plus million. I don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what comedies usually are. To be honest, I'm yeah. not really too sure. It depends. Like I think like the grown-ups movies were pretty expensive just because they have so many yeah, yeah, yeah. actors that people know in it. But yeah, like I think people enjoy this. Um, like I said, like there's a lot of full frontal nudity or well, a lot of everywhere nudity for Jennifer Lawrence. So like if there's like a movie you're like, oh, I'm gonna go see it with like my mom and dad. Just keep that in mind. Might if you get awkward with that kind of things, like it's like a two and a half minute scene that you'll probably be very awkward during if you go with your parents. But uh, yeah, there's like the only other people in my theater were like older people, which is weird, like couples and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like from the trailers, I wouldn't see any reason why any person not in like a younger generation would think this was an interesting movie. But I guess Jennifer Lawrence is just that that kind of girl that people want to go and see. She's a true movie star. So. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah, fun movie. Uh, I'd recommend it to, to anyone. Um, same with the Blackening and Joyride. Like, I just think the comedies coming out this summer are actually pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, we'll see when I see this because I know Emma wants to go see it with me. So that kind of limits yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to see it with me. To when we can get a babysitter. But I do want to watch it. I do love Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Grown Ups 1 and 2 both had a budget of $80 million. Um, but like you said, they have a cast and Adam Sandler is just running a money laundering scheme to get all his friends paid. So it makes sense that they had a very high budget. Um, any other comments on on No Hard Feelings from Seth or George? Any thoughts? Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll say it next week probably. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited for it. But we'll move on. Uh, as always, if you're enjoying this episode, please rate us on Spotify and Apple. Five stars would be extremely helpful. Go to YouTube, tell a friend about it. As as we've said many times, like there's no algorithm on YouTube. It's just if like someone Googles like Asteroid City review and that's in our title, like that's the only way. So thumbs ups, likes on the video really help us out as well as if you could tell a friend, that would be fantastic. Um, but moving on to a little... Hey, 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 it's trailer time. Um, not a ton of big trailers this week. Actually, I don't know. It's it's not a bad week for trailers. Um, me being nerd guy, we'll start with Craven the Hunter, um, which just, by the way, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to give my thoughts of <laughs> this thing looks like shit. Uh, it does not look very good, but um if you don't know the craven the hunter story i know like seth asked about him earlier this week it's basically another sony spider-man villain universe movie 
um craven the hunter in the comics if i'm not mistaken is just this brutal like murderer um does not care about like anything really and like he has like a very famous storyline of one last hunt um and it's basically just him hunting spider-man that's kind of his thing he's a hunter and he hunts spider-man and that's the play in this movie he is an animal lover and i think like if i'm not mistaken his dad played by russell crowe is supposed to be like the craven the hunter from the comic so his dad's a hunter his dad's like murdering which craven the hunter you hunt but yeah it's <laughs> whatever who the fuck cares um from the trailer he gets his powers from like the blood getting, of a lion yeah getting bit <laughs> by a lion and it's just one of those things where they make that change and they just did not need to because in in the comics i believe he takes an herb kind of like like a he's like a black panther um type character that has like powers but from a, a special herb i guess but in this i guess he's just lion man I don't know. I don't know, guys. I, I love Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's rated R, so they can at least make kills brutal, which is a big problem with Venom, Let There Be Carnage especially, and and Morbius, um, is that they just don't have like brutal kills and they're villains. But it's just this anti-hero story that I feel like does not work, and Sony clearly doesn't know how to do it. Um, so any any thoughts from the from from y'all? Uh, yeah, it, it just looked like the most Sony superhero movie ever. And I'm starting to think that anti-hero movies are not possible unless it's like a massive uh, character like Joker or, or whatever, Darth he Vader. He wasn't even an anti-hero. He shoots someone in the face yeah. at the end of that movie. Like just... Uh, yeah, I know. But yeah, and and I'm still and I hate to say this, but I'm still holding out hope because I do like Aaron Taylor Johnson. But there were so many, mm -hmm. like you said, just interesting decisions that they made when like writing this movie and, and going about like certain plot points that just while I was watching the trailer, like I know I don't react like when I actually post my trailer reactions, but like that straight face was a genuine straight face because I was just kind of looking at this trailer. I was like, where what, what are we doing? um the 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 decision to make um like russell crow like craven the hunter and then aaron taylor johnson like his successor is very craven interesting. The nice guy yeah craven cool. the nice guy with no russian accent it's, it's yeah. It, oh yeah know. they <laughs> the idea to give one of them a russian accent and not the other it makes, like yeah i don't the, it, it's it, yeah it that's that's the theme of this entire trailer. It's just a bunch of weird decisions that are so off-putting. It's going to make a lot of people lose excitement for this movie. Yeah. Um, Tyler and Seth, any any thoughts from people that don't give a shit? I don't give first a shit. off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Johnson looks very handsome. Though, yeah. I, I'll give him. I'll give them one thing. The poster <laughs> is very good looking. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks poster. good. He looks good himself, but his like. His design is awful. Like it's just so uninspired. <laughs> the whole movie uh, feels uninspired. No, 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 no. In in the defense of Craven the Hunter, like comic accuracy is going to come off very corny in live action. I think it's the same way with Aquaman. The, like, like try any comic accuracy. I feel like if you're changing how he gets his powers and you're not giving him his like coat. Oh no, no, no. I, I, I was just talking about like the just the way he yeah. looks, like what he's That's wearing. Right. Like it, it just looks corny. Like that giant fur vest. Mm -hmm. It's gonna look. It's not gonna look as cool as it does, drawn on a comic book 
page. And he's like sitting in this throne that has like skulls in it, but like he isn't kill or I guess he's killing people or he like the big moment in the trailer is he like rips off, he bites off a guy's nose, which like that's cool and you can do that, but I don't know. It's just it, the trailer did not look good and they made a whole lot of changes and uh, we'll see uh, it's very rare that i'll ever say a comic book trailer doesn't look good because i'll always at least try to give them the benefit of the doubt but if i get another morbius man <laughs> um yeah it's just also like and i know you shouldn't go into a movie like building what is this building to but that's what they want from these movies so it's at least begging the question what what are these venom like they teased in morbius they said i don't know why i'm here but it has to something has to do with spider-man or whatever the post-credit scene from michael keaton was that was um, so ridiculous. like they're clearly trying to tease stuff but i am i am putting my foot down july or sorry june 24th 2023 they will never meet spider-man ever <laughs> and so like what's the fucking point um yeah, i don't know this just it doesn't look good and i'm a little upset about that i one last shot at madam webb i guess uh that's their whatever craven the hunter looks awful but uh moving on to the biggest trailer probably the like most talked about trailer is challengers uh then Z- the zendaya three-way movie that everyone's freaking out online about tom holland uh crying in the club right now but challengers directed by luca guadagnino um basically zendaya nice. huh thank you thank you i don't have well the full description but um challengers uh zendaya plays a famous tennis star uh, I'll, I'll read it. Tasha, a tennis play, player turned coach, has transformed her husband from a mediocre player into a world-famous Grand Slam champion. To jolt him out of his recent losing streak, she makes him play a challenger event close to the lowest level of tournament on the Pro Tour. Tensions soon run high when he finds himself standing across the net from one from the once promising, now burnt out Patrick, his former best friend, and Tashi's former boyfriend. Um, so Sen- Zendaya, Mike Fa, faced? Vice? Vice? Vice. Anyone? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, Josh O'Connor. Um, and any thoughts outside of the tennis looks like shit? Yeah, George hated the trailer. Um, I loved it, but I'm a, I'm a Luca guy. Like, I like I, the trailer. I love uh, I loved Bones and All more than all all the rest of this pod. I I'm a big fan of Call Me by Your Name. So I, I, Luca's if he's coming out with something new. I'm gonna be very excited for it. And have you the, seen Suspiria yet, though? No, I need I need to watch both the original and the remake. But I've heard a lot of people say they like the remake better than the original, and that's like one of the few movies that people say that about. The original's so, amazing. Lucas yeah. is kind of that guy, I guess. Uh, I really like him. Um, and yeah, this just this just looked wild and like it's just funny. Like it just, all the memes were funny with Tom Holland like ha- having to watch this trailer. Very funny. Um, Very funny. Because like yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I thought this looks good. I can totally see why George says like uh, the tennis looks awful. I just think sports and movies in general that's- looks terrible. Like. I don't think oh, yeah. sports ever yeah. like football. American football's never looked good in the movie ever. Basketball is the only thing that can come somewhat close to looking good. I feel it, like it looks 
good in uh, shooting stars. Because they use D1 basketball players. one athletes, but it actually yeah. looked good. So but no, I think sports and movies is very hard to make look cool, and I don't think this one is any is going to be any different. I don't think it looks that great. But we'll see how much of it actually matters for the tennis and how much of it's like – Probably doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I can see why George would not like it because that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not – I am by no means a Luca Guadagnino hater. I love Call Me By Your Name. I thought Bones and All was good. I give it a three and a half, four out of five stars. So I, I'm high on that movie as well. But it is, it's the tennis. The tennis just removes me from that movie. It just looks so shitty. I don't think tennis is that hard of a sport to play. Just learn how to swing a fucking racket and not look unathletic. I just, I don't understand. Like there's one shot in the trailer of Zendaya hitting a forehand and there's no way that's passable as a Grand Slam champion. <laughs> yeah, now you know how I feel in that that's, slow-mo I, football scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm like, what is this? I mean, I hate that that's, damn scene. That scene sucks. Also not of, needed for slow-mo. Ugh. One of the most inspirational scenes out there. You guys are bugging. <laughs> God, I hate that scene. But no, I think the tennis uh, does look, look look quite bad. And obviously, George would have an even better eye than me, but I can't even admit that. I was like, yeah, it looks terrible. But like I said, like the trailer didn't give me the vibes that that's going to be like too fo- – like the synopsis, I guess, makes it sound like it is. But the trailer obviously focused a lot more on the three-way relationship, which if they're just doing that for the shock value of a trailer, I absolutely don't blame them to try and show as much of that as possible in the trailer just to be like, look at this movie that's coming out, Zendaya yeah. and Mike Feist. Yeah, it gets talked. It got talked about. It did. So he, they did well yeah, for the trailer talk, perspective, talk. but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a lot more in the relationship than the tennis, but I don't know. Basically, basically the synopsis camera had made it seem like tennis is a major focal point of the story. So we'll see. Comes out in what, like uh, September? October? Yeah, it's a it's a bit away. It's after September 11th. I can tell it's you. Not that. that far away. Like this year's kind of low key flying by. It's almost July. Yeah, it is. It is flying by. You're not wrong. Um, Seth, any thoughts? I I don't know. It didn't really interest me to be honest. The trailer. It's not really that bothered about it, which is surprising. I'll still watch it though. It could be okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um. So we'll we'll see how it how how it goes. Uh, the funniest meme I saw about the trailer was: Have you guys ever seen Parks and Rec? It was a picture of April with her boyfriend and like his boyfriend. And it was like challengers 2023. And I, I found that very funny. Um, but did that, you, that, did you, you know, the shot in no way home where like after spoilers, if you haven't no way home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just throw it out there. <laughs> sure. Like where right after Aunt May dies and Spider-Man standing in the rain, looking up okay, at yeah, yeah. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Oh yeah. Crying. And it's like Tom yeah. Holland watching this trailer. So, yeah. Someone cropped in this, the, the still of the two guys kissing. Yeah. Some isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. That good, good memes come from it. And if, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you have a movie that has good memes, I'll watch it. Uh, so moving on from from challengers which i'm excited for as well uh to a movie that i thought i was gonna hate but i kind of love this trailer of dumb money which is the story basically about i'm sure george i think you work in like stocks a lot uh uh, is about basically the GameStop stock uh skyrocketing during covid um just it became a huge meme on wall street bets reddit I was big in like lick listening to what was happening, but I did not invest in GameStop uh, when it was happening because by the time it got big, it was kind of over. Um, so I didn't really uh, know about it early on, but I, I was big on it when it was happening. It feels like I was, I, I knew they announced this movie a long time ago. Um, 
And it kind of just sounded like something that's like, okay, this was funny when it was happening, but they're going to do it and it's going to be way out of touch and it's going to be so far from now that it's not going to matter. It is three years later from when maybe that was that was about 2021, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess two years later, but I don't know. I enjoyed this trailer. It stars Paul Dano, Seth Rogen. Uh, uh, Nick Offerman is in it. Nick Offerman's in it. Shailene Woodley. Um, probably a whole lot more. Oh, Pete Davidson's in it because Pete Davidson's in everything now. Yeah. <laughs> um, All the guys in it from Transformers as well, isn't he? Uh, the oh, guy. Anthony Ramos. Anthony yeah. Ramos. Um, directed by Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tanya, which is fantastic. Cruella, which is one of the best um live action disney it's not a remake but it, it kind of is like a legacy <laughs> remake um craig gillespie great director so i'm ex- or awesome director i'll give him i don't know if he's great but um i i like this trailer you guys got any thoughts on I think, it i think this looks pretty fun I'm, yeah i'm quite looking forward to this let me sign for this yeah it really it like genuinely surprised me because just like you said cam i, th- I thought this was just going to be like okay, this was all funny in the moment. Let's just quickly make a movie for, for an easy buck. But I was genuinely surprised by how like competent the, the trailer looked. The trailer, I also yeah, work I in bonds, not stocks. Thank you. I, I'm not going to lie. I always thought you worked in stocks. Yeah. No, you do, I, something, I with, you do uh, something in New York with money. So Therefore, stocks. <laughs> Um, but to, this to me would be was like I think I don't know if we talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago or what, but this to me is like the Squid Games, like reality show and live action or not live action, uh, like U.S. remake of like Squid Games hype was two and a half years ago at this point. Uh, what's his name? Mr. Beast made a video like three weeks after it's already been done. You're past. You're way past the uh, like hype of the show. Um, but this, I don't know. I they made a good trailer, so I'm excited. Uh, Paul Dano, I do love. I think he'll play. Yeah, good lead. Paul, I like yeah, him. Paul Dano's great. Um, so I think I think that's a bonus. Uh, next up, uh, short, just snippet. Not a whole lot to talk about. But Sofia Coppola's uh, Priscilla. Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, it was just kind of like a teaser trailer. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. Um, I, obviously, I saw that the. They've always seen test screens of it. Um, the the Presley estate, and I, I saw that Priscilla. Is it Priscilla? I really yeah, like Priscilla. It. Really liked Priscilla, it. Liked Priscilla really liked the movie. And the then the, the rest of them hate it. Yeah, they hate it. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I'm I'm quite intrigued by this. Um, Which, if time tells us anything, uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, the Jer- the Tolkien estate hates Lord of the Rings, so it's perfect. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> well, I just when does it come out? Is this is this soon? That's like September Ish. something. Okay, so it's not it's, too far. Um, okay. It's I think it, uh, I think it's been out premiering at Venice maybe. So whenever that is, I think, um, you, I think you are right about that. But, is that September? Yeah, because we covered Venice and TIFF. I think on our first real talk. So yeah, September August. Mm. Um, October twenty twenty three is the initial release as of okay. now. But so you'll you'll get it in twenty twenty five. No, I'll get it in twenty twenty eight. That's not right. But yeah, I, the, my big complaint about Elvis, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, was that it's like every, any other biopic in terms of they just really glaze over the stuff that's like negative about their lives and really just trying to make it be like, hey, look mm. at this person, look at all the highlights, they never did anything wrong. 
Whereas really like this whole relationship is like very predatory in nature. So the fact that Elvis's estate doesn't like it means it's probably painting him in a more negative light than like Boz Lerman's Elvis did, which yeah, fine. That's awesome. You literally a year ago got your own movie praising your entire life and like barely minorly tiny, tiny bit showing some stuff that was bad. Let's, let's hear from Priscilla Presley's side who was like what 14 when Elvis was 24 and that's when they got together. So like, yeah, obviously not the greatest. So um, I'm excited to hear that Priscilla loves it. And it's kind of from her perspective. So it should be interesting. And Sophia Coppola um, is a skilled director. So she's not just going to like glaze over something like that. And Tom Hanks isn't in this one as well. So yeah, that's that's massive W. Yeah, that, the, yeah, that this trailer. Did you guys ever watch Spencer? Yep. The Netflix one. I never watched it. The Hulu. No, no, it's Hulu. Uh, it's not a Netflix uh, original. It might be it? on. I think I might have saw it on Netflix now, but no. It's it might be on. It's a, I think I saw it. Is it? Um, I'm pretty sure it's Hulu. Oh, well, I don't know. But yeah, I saw Spencer. What's up, George? Oh, I know which one you yeah, mean. That, yeah, 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 I know which That's the vibe I'm getting for the where it's like a more like grounded biopic and they're not going to gloss over like shit that should not be glossed over the way like a typical biopic like True. Elvis or Rhapsody or Rocky Man may have glossed over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looks fine. It's not a ton we got, but I, I am excited for the movie. And then lastly, a trailer, I believe that came out last night. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but Drive Away Dolls. Um, I think you added this on, George. Um, anything to say about I, it? I added it on. I saw oh, Tyler added it. It played right before Asteroid City, so it's Ethan Cohen. Oh, okay. And this movie looks, I don't know, the trailer just was not it for me. It looks super quirky. It's Ethan Cohen directing a movie about like a Thelma and Louise type relationship between two queer women. So it's like... Do I want to see Ethan? I saw Co- that online. Yeah. Do like, I want to see Ethan Cohen's take on a queer woman relationship? I don't really know. Um, and the movie yeah. looks super quirky from the trailer. Like Matt Damon's in it. Um, a couple other big name actors are in it. Um, but it yeah, kind of came out of nowhere for me. I hadn't heard anything about this. Right. Kind of out of nowhere. I just saw it was tweeted about last night, and I must have mm-hmm. missed it. So yeah, it came out right. Mm-hmm. It premiered before Asteroid City's wide release this week. But Margaret Qualley's obviously having a massive year. But man, she has a like. <sighs> Her her southern accent in this movie's rough, man. Like it's super Is it thick, bad? and it's just like like I'm. It's a fine accent, but I just refuse to believe. Like she just doesn't give off. Like the most, like she's kind of southern-ish, and once upon a time in Hollywood, like she's it's Californian, obviously, but she kind of has that somewhat country, like accent-ish. But like I feel like that's as far as she can go. Whereas this is just like parody level of accent, and like that on top of how quirky and weird this looks. I don't know. Basically it's like the, the trailers, like they go to rent a car um, that needs to get, they, they go to rent a car to like drive from like wherever, somewhere up on the Northeast coast down to Florida. And then like drug dealers go to that car, rent a car dealership and like, are like, Hey, that car was for us. And basically you find out like there was a ton of drugs in the trunk of that car. So now Margaret Qualley and her, her lady are like driving away with all these drug, de- drug dealers, drugs. And then they like get a flat tire, open up the trunk, realize they have all the drugs and there you go. That kind of kicks the story into motion. Like Matt Damon and some other people are like trying to hunt them down. They're trying to run away with all the drugs and contraband. And that's kind of where we go from there. But the trailer, like I said, like the one word that if you guys haven't seen the trailer yet, and whether you are on the, my co-host or anyone listening to this, easily the number one word takeaway you'll get from the trailer is just quirky. Like it's just weirdly beyond quirky. And it just didn't look, it just wasn't it for me. I just didn't look like I cared for it. But um, yeah, did anyone else see the trailer or was it just me? No, I just saw you added it to the rundown. Yeah. So but, uh, watch, it, watch it for next week. Real quick on Dumb Money because I had to step away during that. So it's always funny how like in touch or out of touch people are with the internet culture and stuff like that. Because like 
So obviously this is like big memes on the internet and talked about all the time on the internet with a GameStop, like Diamond Hands, all that. But still, like it affected like real world stock markets. So I assumed like mm-hmm. even the not online people would have known about this. But this couple sitting behind me had no hard feelings. This trailer played and then like they were the type of couple that were so annoying, man. They're like 40 and they would just like comment on everything, even during the movie. Like it was so annoying. I wanted to just punch them in the face because they were just like. The classic like Jennifer Lawrence, some guy would talk like bad to her and then they'd be like, oh, no, no, he did not And I'm like, oh, my God, just shut up. Seth would have probably actually beat them to pulp. But yeah, after this trailer played, they're like, no, the dumb money trailer. Like, no way. Was that a real story? I'm like, this was four years ago. Yeah. And I thought everyone like I thought even people who weren't online at all knew about this. And I was like, I was just shocked. It was just so weird that they're like, that looks so dumb. No way. That was a real true story. I'm like, this wasn't that long ago. And I thought everyone knew about it, but I guess not. Maybe didn't reach the country folk yeah it was uh, it was fairly big like like it says in it like people were losing billions of dollars which they that whole thing got fucked when robin fuck you robin hood took it off off trading boo yeah. but um yeah move, we don't have to get into that uh moving into news uh really not a ton this week i don't know this is in no order of like most important to least important. I just kind of threw it in as I saw it, but uh, Quentin Tarantino says his next movie, obviously titled the movie critic uh, has Travis is basically like Travis Bickle. If he were a movie critic, so taxi driver, if it were about movies, I guess Bro, I he's me. literally me. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I saw, I saw a quote tweet of like the average letterbox user that made me that laugh. Funny, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Nothing really crazy. I just threw it in. I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, Tom Cruise did an interview this week and was like, we did the most uh, the most dangerous stunt first. And he said, we'll know if we need to keep if we need to keep going or not. Basically, if he dies or not, Uh, I just kind of kind of found that funny. (laughs) It's a smart. I'm sure you guys saw the behind the scenes of him, like jumping his motorcycle off. You know, he did that six times. No, I didn't. I thought he did it mm-hmm. once, and they, yeah, it was good. No, what the fuck yeah, is wrong with this guy? I bro, think he's right. Six times, dude. Great. The, the behind the scenes is crazy too, because like it shows all the people in like the the like the tent, like watching all the equipment as it's going down. They're all just literally like holding their breath. They're like, oh fuck, like oh, yeah, please yeah. work. It, it's like a, it's like a, it, it's literally like a shuttle launch where like in a movie where like everyone's all silent, staring at the screen, and then they get like one bit of news, and they're all like clapping like crazy. It's yeah, like, oh, probably. He didn't fucking, it's like, he didn't die yeah. this time. Thank well, no, God. yeah, because they're literally like all in the tent, and then they're just like holding their breath, and then someone's like, "I see a parachute." I think, like, I see a parachute. And they're like, oh, "Okay, thank God." And it's like you'd think they'd have a little more. Like the fact that like it was literally like no, some man. dude calls he's out, just, and they're just like, "There's like, oh, I think I see a parachute." And they're like, "Okay, okay, we're good." And that, it's just crazy, man. Just yeah. wild, what do you? Good for him. Just being Sli- crazy, slightly so. dark question. They're filming these scenes. What happens if he dies, dude? Well, I just you, I they give up. Call it. They, really? like they you don't. To. You don't think they're like ready to go with like a replacement he or said, something? I mean, they said, have uh, the masks. <laughs> he said, uh, um, "What did he say?" He was like, "There may be." He said, "I think in the quote, he was like, maybe there will be major rewrites or something." So I wonder if they even try to continue if he if like some crazy accident. Yeah, actually, just so, kill like, his parents were off. Or I feel like you can't kill off Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible. No. So you try to yeah. you like. You probably try to uh, Fast and Furious Seven it with Paul Walker and just like use his brother if he has one or yeah. like. But we know how good that looks with like a uh, de aging. I'm sure it can't look great for an entire movie where like, he's the center of it. Paul Walker was I in. Just, I think they only did like the last couple minutes yeah. of that movie. 
I, I just can't help but laugh thinking that like the entire crew of Mission Impossible has like a playbook ready to go in the yeah, event yeah. that Tom Cruise dies filming one of these scenes. Yeah, that'd be crazy. How old is that? He's got to be like 60 now, 61, he's 60. Yeah, he's, he's 60. Isn't he that old? I thought he was only 50. Yeah, but he, still, he looks yeah. Yeah, like he's still looks. Yeah, good for him. It's because he's jumping. He's 60. It's because he's just jumping off of things. 60 years old, so good for him. Good for um, moving on, pretty big news. The Academy announces that movies now must screen in... Uh, it, for at least a week in 10 of the United States top 50 cities to be eligible for best picture. So before it was just New York and Los Angeles, shout out the Indiana folk. Cause you know, Indianapolis is, is on that list, probably number two. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get to see any of those. I don't theaters, but that joke, I'll be honest. Indianapolis. It's, it's, it's a city, but it's probably it's not small. that big. It, I'm in the middle of butt fuck nowhere, man. So it's the Midwest. <laughs> Um, but this is good, you know, for people that want to go see these movies that are produced on Netflix, uh, in, in, in theaters. Um, is it a crazy change? Probably not, but it, it's good. You, you can get to see, and it's also outside of New York and Los Angeles. So now maybe you can live like in Chicago and go see them because that's obviously going to be up there, but, um, not well, a whole lot to say there. Well, like, uh, yeah, I think the big thing is when they announced that you kind of, or when Netflix announced they weren't going to have anything in movies anymore, but then people are like, oh, well, the Academy says you, or in movie theaters, and the Academy's like, well, you have to have it in for a week showing in like one of the major cities. And everyone was like, well, Netflix has that Netflix only theater in LA. They're probably just going to just throw it in there for a week and be like, look, mm -hmm. we're eligible now. So I think this is big yeah. because sure, they could do the minimum and just pick the top 10 cities, like what, like LA, New York, like. Dallas, Austin, Chicago, Phoenix or something and just be like, okay, we got 10 there. Good. But I feel like more so likely that they're just going to go back to doing limited releases in terms of like pretty much every major city will get it. Maybe your local movie theater is not going to get the Netflix movie, but the main metropolitan area nearest to you will have it. Cause like, I find it hard to believe that they're just going to pick like 10 cities now and check it off. I think more so mm -hmm. what this does is it moves it from only one theater in the United States being that Netflix original theater showing the killer and uh rebel moon now i think it's going to be just every major major city movie theater and maybe it'll make him more likely want to try and do the blockbusters and wide releases again and it's just like i think it's a good change to force for for streaming in general because i think it's starting to take over more and more and the movie theater mm -hmm. needs needs as much help as they can get so i think this is overall very they, have a, net, they have a netflix only cinema that's interesting in la yeah, in I mean, la yeah, yeah. Um, and then Seth for international films qualifying non-US markets include the top 15 in the international theatrical markets plus the home territory for the film. So uh, it also has to be shown in like top 15 international markets as um, as I said. So um, if that's you that's good. Sheffield, I think Sheffield is on that list. Maybe. Could no, be, man. Definitely not. No. So think of Sheffield um, compared to like London. And then think of Indiana compared to uh, uh, New well, York. Well, like the fourth biggest city in England, and it's okay. still like nowhere near London. Like, so this is going to you know, maybe call out some people. Uh, think of Wales compared to London. Is Wales a big town, big city? Wales is a country. Country, that too. That's what <laughs> oh I meant. My. Think of Wales. That was I, the most American that, Yeah, that was bad. That was hey, bad. hey, Seth, that was I bad. know Wales is a country. Right I know yeah, Wales that's is a on country. Me. How big is Wales? How big is Wales? It's a decently sized country. It's not. All right. Big. What's a small country? 
Why are we getting like a dry? Okay, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to like uh give you a little insight to what Indiana Northern is. Ireland. I'm from the mid I'm from the Midwest, I said. Northern Ireland. Northern Seth, Island. you know in the movie Seth, you know in the movie Interstellar yeah. when he drives in the cornfield? Yes. When he's in the middle of that cornfield, that's Cam in Indiana. That's that's me. That's it's just surrounded life, by yeah. corn. Nothing else. Well, exactly. I'm never I I'm never letting that go. You just called well. That's fine, too. I'm that's fine. I, I, I do deserve that, honestly. So that's on me. Uh, M. M. Night describes his next movie, Trap, as a psychological thriller that is set at a concert. Great. Yes. I don't think there's really anything else to say, but Sounds awesome. Good. Yeah. And then so last. Can't wait. La- My most anticipated film ever. Yeah. It should be. Lastly, <laughs> kind of carrying into nerd news, uh, Marvel at Netflix, HBO, Sony, Lucasfilm, and Universal are all out of Comic-Con this year. Um, which doesn't uh, shock me at does all. Does not shock me, especially for Marvel, given that they uh, already done their big slate, and they probably have a whole lot of uh, things to figure out if they're even going to keep like the Kang Dynasty on that slate or what. Especially after all these delays, they're probably just trying to figure things out right now. So it doesn't really shock me. Warner Bros. is kind of the only uh, big movie studio left. And I fully think they need to go to Comic-Con and do something because they are that could be the worst managed major company in history. Like they just can't make money. They don't know how to make money. Executives Um, at Warner Brothers are definitely like pressuring the fuck out of James Gunn to make major announcements about the DC slate. They yeah, they got like they got a release dates. Yeah. Exactly. So they, yeah, I bet I, I would be shocked if Warner Bros was not there because um, they would be the biggest, they would be the whole H panel, the biggest one. Uh, this is LA Comic-Con. Sorry. I know there's like San Diego or San Diego. Uh, Comic-Con. San, I'm sorry. I know there's New York and, uh, and, and London, but this is San Diego Comic-Con I'm talking about. Um, but that kind of segues us into nerd news. Not a ton of crazy stuff this weekend, but starting with, or this week, but starting with Marvel um basically in the last couple of days it's kind of come out that animation on beyond the or across the spider verse was a little bit of hell people were working 11 hour days 7 hours uh or sorry 11 hour days for 7 days straight doing it all over again the next week basically there a major animator on across the spider verse was like there's no shot beyond the spider verse comes out that uh, we, we kind of expected that to be yeah started. in march um I think Phil Lord and Chris Miller were trying to like deflate it like right after Across the Spider-Verse came out and being like, we're basically done with Beyond the Spider-Verse. Like all the animation is there, which I do think, you know, they're probably they probably can do it quicker because when they say like this animation took five years to do, it's like three years of just figuring it out, probably like like what do we even want to do? So it's a little inflated from that perspective, but it does sound like uh People were working really hard days. Obviously, there are a lot of professions that um, do this. And there was a lot of like crazy replies to that tweet. That's like, oh, I finally figured out how to work. And it's like, shut up. They like they do not. No one should be worked to the bone like this. But um, yeah. uh, Amy Pascal came out and was basically like, welcome to working on movies, which is just such a fuck <laughs> you to them. <laughs> um, I mean, it, wow. it, yeah, work, working on movies is hard, but I think her direct quote was welcome to working on a movie. Uh, <laughs> just so uh, like in inconsiderate. Uh, you could have at least said something of like, I'm sorry so much, but we're really proud of like all the hard work they did. Something like that. But now it's just just fuck <laughs> she, you. Basically. <laughs> she basically said, stop being a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
very inconsiderate to the animators but um hey i i don't want to say it's a good thing but i i want them to at least know their hard work paid off because it looks like one of the best animated movies i've ever seen i think most people can agree um i hope they at least feel some sort of sense of accomplishment and i hope they were compensated well for it um because it is probably not not. (laughs) it's tearing up the box office right now so i i I hope they at least got good money which they probably didn't but i hope i can hope this this Um, makes you really look at the the using the 14 year old Lego guy in a different limelight because sure. Like it's cool to give him an opportunity, but you know, they paid him less than they would have paid a normal person to do the Lego scene. Mm-hmm. It just kind of puts like almost a bad taste on that, like warm hearted story from two weeks ago. And it's like, yeah. it's like, uh, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm looking at this at a way different lens. Why they <laughs> yeah, hired the, the, I'm sure. I'm sure paid. he's happy at, at the very least. I bet they tried to keep the 14 year old happy because they know they'll look bad, looked at bad if they, yeah, but a 14 year old probably he probably got like a doesn't know. Yeah, something way less than like a normal like, animator yeah. would get. But it's I don't know. They it's, probably it's didn't great. even give him money. They probably just gave him a bunch of uh, Spider Man action figures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and, a, and a McDonald's gift card. <laughs> Man, yeah. I'd take that. And it's funny because they're like, go, bro, go crazy. They're like, oh, he spent his summer vacation working on it and all his days after school. And it's like, oh, that's cute. He like was doing it and dedicated. And now I'm just picturing Amy Pascal like, pay, like hey, he's like waiting. Welcome for, to a movie, bitch. No, he's like he's like waiting. <laughs> for his dad to pick him up at school he just stands outside of his backpack and she just drives up and she's like get in the fucking car you got animation work to do <laughs> yeah like that's fair and she just got like a gun like all right do it make me lego oh nah. man but um but yeah like a hundred million dollars we always felt was just too low for a budget for that movie starting to make sense why maybe pixar pays their animators much better that's why elemental was massive budget but yeah it's, it's just it's just a kind of the movie gen- movie industry in general and like what the whole writing strike and screen actors guild strike are all about is that they do a lot of the work but get not nearly enough of the pie and hopefully that changes um yep. we'll see yep i i hope that like these next working conditions on beyond the spider-verse are better um we'll see what comes out of it 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 sounds like some animators are like pretty upset about it some are not but um we'll see what comes from this it happened like yesterday so we don't have a ton but uh the next big big news in animation or art uh secret invasion uses ai for opening intro the internet riots uh this is terrible for in the sense that you could have gotten artists to do it probably a lot of people to do that as well huh probably yeah, you could have gotten value artists to do that yeah to do that yeah i don't think it looks very good i think george liked it um the idea that like the ai is taking That's over cool. it makes sense to use it in my personal opinion i think it's just a big movie studio trying to get in front of using ai um just kind of to see what the um see what the feel is and clearly it's not not a good feel because people are very upset online Sure, they won't be using AI anytime, anytime soon on anything major. I think opening credits probably the least of the evils. You could have gotten AI to do a lot more. Um, that would have been a lot worse, I'm sure. But uh, any any thoughts on this, Seth, George, Tyler? I didn't. I didn't watch it. I've not, I've not seen it. Anyway. I don't know so if I, you haven't. No, you I'm go, still George. on the train that like I I, do, I think people overreacted like fucking crazy. Um, everyone's tweeting like, "Oh, this is how it starts. It takes away." Uh, you know, good work from artists, which I agree. I, I completely agree. And if Marvel goes on to use AI for their writing and their acting, then I'll be fucking pissed off about it. But using AI, AI to on act. A, 
is pretty impressive. Well, I don't know, just anything. But using AI on a 30-second <laughs> intro when it's very relevant to the show and what the show is about is not something to be up in arms about. I think it's a very interesting decision by Marvel. I think it's very bold. Obviously, I don't think the reception was what they expected it to be. But I also think people are overreacting like crazy. I think it's big, like especially right now with the writer's strike. Obviously, artists are probably very underutilized in 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 pictures yeah, and on which, And I think that's a big. Um, again, I completely under. I, I agree with you there. And like I said, if Marvel goes on to just continuously use AI, then I'll be upset about it. But the fact that they if they had used the AI intro on Moon Knight, I would have been pissed. But the fact that they use it on Secret Invasion when it's very relevant to the themes of this show. I think people are completely missing the point. Yeah. And I see Respect. what you're saying. I, I don't I don't know if um, Tyler or Seth not seeing it, have any opinions on AI. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know the concept. Like, I don't know. Um, like George said, I think it relates to the show. Obviously, I've not seen the show. I have no idea. So I'm not going to get in with that bit. But I just think it's a weird one. Yes, they only, they don't use it for credits. I just think it, it could have been given to artists you probably wouldn't have charged that much for it anyway um i have seen it i didn't like hey I, I didn't particularly like the look of it but again i don't know how it relates to the show it might relate to the show like george said quite a lot so i don't really have that many thoughts because i just don't know enough about it to be fair i just didn't really like how they used it yeah so this, this is just i was researching it so the the company that did it is method studios so because marvel studios itself is mostly just you know a business organization most of the actual yeah. work is other companies they subcontract out to mm -hmm. So Method Studios, this isn't the first time they work with them. Method Studios was did visual effects for Miss Marvel, Loki, Moon Knight. So it's not like they went to a separate AI company. Method Studios was the one that made the call, used the AI. Um, they made a statement to the Hollywood Reporter saying no artist jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools. Um, it was just used as a tool. So you can believe what you want. Is it just PR or whatever? But I don't know. And Marvel might have had an input into it. But I do think one thing that's overlooked is like Marvel contracted this out to a visual effects company that has done visual effects for all their other shows. And it's very possible that we live in a world where Marvel just like method studios, here's this X amount of money, make us an intro. And they decided, you know, let's use AI for that intro because like I said, I think Marvel studios is mostly just like a business organization as opposed to doing a lot of the nitty gritty. And I think they probably got that intro back. We're like, okay, this looks fine. This looks good. Um, but whatever it's, it's weird. It's a weird one. Because I think the thing is why a lot of people overreacted, which I'm on the side of that AI, like replacing artists is like an issue and I don't want to see it happening. But I think the big issue is that I think for so long artists and people in the artistic industry thought they were safe from stuff like automation, technology. Because it's been like 100 years now where machinery, engineering, stuff like that has been taking people's jobs for dozens of years, hundreds of years where you know factory workers aren't really getting jobs the same way they were because things are robotic, robots and automated. And I just think for so long, people were like, well, at least like, you know, artists, like singers, actors, all that kind of stuff, that will never be replaced by robots. I think that was just the mindset for so long where it's like blue collar jobs will, but we won't. And I think it's just like, people are like, oh shit, maybe we actually can. And like, it looked pretty bad, but it's something that's like anything in technology that is going to rapidly improve in the next couple of years. Cause I feel like technology develops at such like an exponential level, but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people overreacted because they didn't think that art could be something that would be replaced by AI. And now it seems like it's starting to take those jobs. Also, I don't think everyone knows the whole story of how they decided to use the AI because like George said, I think it plays into the story, but also um, I don't even know if it was Marvel's call, honestly, if, or if it was Method Studios call. But yeah, I think overall AI, bad look for something like Disney to be behind something like that. But 
I think there's a lot more to it than a lot of people on Twitter that just started screaming. Got, uh, yeah. got about it. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think, I think everyone can agree like AI taking jobs is, is a bad thing. We don't want to see it happen, but also, um, it's, it's like you said, it's something method studios may have came up with. And it's just, it, it, it's very, it's very cool right now to just go online and piss on things um whether it's marvel or or something else you know it's just it's it's a lot cooler to be angry about something online than uh yeah i think this is valid people to be angry about though i do uh, i i think a lot of things that people are angry about online are valid but i think also sometimes people get angry about some things because it's a big it's a big marvel studios versus other things and you know we yeah, talked no, about I agree. It before I think this, um i think they i think the internet saw an opportunity and tried to eat it up but uh, i think we can all agree like ai taking jobs is not the goal and it's not something we want to see um but if if the studio comes out and says like the animators that would have been working on the intro just worked on like it's not like you tell ai to like Hey, make me an intro for Marvel Studios. Like you, you, you have to like work with it to get what you want. So as long as like, hopefully it's true in the sense that Method Studios didn't actually like, no one lost their job for this, and everyone got paid how much they would or whatever. Um, that that that's all good. Um, hopefully that's true. We'll see. Um, moving on. This just this is just funny to me. Bad Bunny is out as. <laughs> is out as El Muerto and there's no longer a release date attached to the movie. Um, well, who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah, Seth is looking at me like I have three heads. El Muerto is a D-list Spider-Man villain that Sony was going to try to make a movie about. <laughs> that F-list Spider-Man. At, was it CinemaCon or was it Sony-Con? They had some sort of... like Wait, It was announced they had something it was about a year ago at this point maybe a little less than that they announced this and basically the internet like was like why the fuck like it's not it's not even on the level of like craven the hunter of like people know that this character like nobody know it has the el muerto i believe has like three comic book storylines that they've yeah. made like I it's thought, what's up i thought this was like about one of his like albums or something i had no fucking idea no. <laughs> No, dude, this is like this is the Bad Bunny that, documentary. Yeah, yeah. documentary about Bad Bunny, and they a, have to recast Bad Bunny. Thought, I, I think we thought that. I no, I knew it. He's out. He's not making this album anymore. <laughs> no, Why are you just, putting this in the fucking rundown? No, this is just like the most like D-list, unnecessary Sony Spider Verse uh, yeah. villain movie that nobody gave a shit about. Immediately got memed. And now it doesn't have a release date. They've lost Bad Bunny. They say they're still recasting. I this is this has a less of a chance of coming out than Blade, um, which is a zero percent. But yeah, it's just it's not happening. Very funny. Sony might be worse managed than Warner Brothers. Other than <laughs> Sony, at least has Spider Verse going for them and like good movies. But I guess hell to work on now. So. Yeah, they're just they're lost. Um, moving on to DC stuff, not a, not a huge week again. We, we just fly by these things. But Sasha Kaye has has met with Peter Safran about her future as Supergirl. Great, hope she comes back. She was like one of the shining lights in the Flash movie, in my opinion. Um, and I, actually, I, I I like the Flash movie a good amount. So maybe not only one, but um, any thoughts? We like Sasha Kaye. I think yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, James Gunn has had auditions for Superman Legacy. Basically, said they all went great. 
awesome. We'll see who gets cast. And then lastly, James Mangold describes Swamp Thing as a very simple, clean, gothic horror story about a man and monster. I cool. think mo- yeah, most people I think can get behind that. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident James Gunn's not afraid to make some of these R-rated. So if they're going to, I would hope this maybe could get that. Um, and we've seen James Mangold with the R rating uh, in a comic book movie. He does very well. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, it's something I'm excited for. Um, lastly, I didn't throw this in the rundown, but I'd like to mention it's projected that the flash is going to make $14 million this weekend, which would be a 75% drop off from the first week. What was the budget? The actual production budget? Uh, like 270, yeah, 270 million. It's going to make a, it's going to make, it's going to make like 200 million. Um, and I'm, I'm working on a video right now, but I've put together a list of like, why this movie failed outside of just Ezra Miller sucking. Um, and so right now I've got weird CGI getting leaked online that everyone just makes spoiler for Cam Walsh 27's TikTok content. Yeah, sure. Also spoiler for the flash, I guess weird cameos that nobody cares about and also got leaked online. Um, story's been done like this flashpoint story has been done a million times before, whether you like it or not. And every time that it's been done before it's been done better. Uh, the multiverse is just kind of overdone right now, uh, especially coming out the week after Spider-Verse, which is probably the best multiverse movie we've ever gotten um, in, in a while, or I guess into the Spider-Verse, maybe. I don't know. But bad look coming out the week after. DC is about to get a reset, so why do people give a shit about this? And then also Warner Bros. just basically said nothing about the Ezra Miller controversy um, and what they've done. So like they're kind of just trying to brush it under the rug. I think there's a whole lot of factors outside of like Ezra Miller sucking um, going into this thing flopping, but it's, it's bad right now. It's like one of the highest, I believe this is the second highest drop week to week at 75% right behind like steel for a superhero movie. That is, um, but yeah, any, any comments on the flash budget? Or, yeah, I, guess, uh, box box? I mean, yeah, right. I don't know where the money went. Um, uh, moving on, nothing Star Wars, so we'll just get into what we've been watching. George, anything crazy? Nothing crazy. I watched uh, I watched Minari yesterday, which we'll talk about in our real quick in a few days. And then I also watched End of Watch, because <laughs> I thought that's what we were going to be talking about in our real quick. So I told you like three minutes after I, that we were switching to where I, I know, I, I had to have missed that text, because I really don't remember anyone saying End of Watch. <laughs> Um, I watched your Minari, name. Minari, you mean? What? You mean? You don't, you don't remember, remember anyone saying Minari? Minari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched your name. Haven't rewatched that in a couple of years, maybe one or two years. So I just checked it off. A few more Love, Death, and Robot episodes. I feel like I've been doing like that a lot lately. Just I finish a movie and it's like ten thirty, and I don't want to go to bed, so I kill a couple of Love, Death, and Robot episodes. Interstellar, goaded, Dark of the Moon, average Spider Man. Into the Spider Verse, goaded. I watched the first Star Trek movie. Tyler, I saw your tweet where you like asked Which people about Star Trek movie? The, the the 2009 one. The, the oh, not the like. Oh no, wait, no, no, no. Which one was this? The, the one with Chris Pine and Chris. Zachary. Oh, yeah, yeah, I actually quite liked that one. I think that one's all right. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I really had yeah, a good yeah. time with it. I gave it a four stars. I thought it was a genuinely good movie. Yeah. And then a La La Land rewatch, which I feel like I've been doing once every three weeks. Jesus for some Christ! on every what we've been watching. This I week. know. I swear, I've been rewatching La. It's the Great same movie. thing as like my Love, Death, and Robots. Like if I start a movie early at like six and it's done by like eight eight thirty, 
I'm just going to put on something that I don't really need to pay attention to because I've seen it so many times. So it's usually either the Batman or La La Land. It's, it's incredible. It's, mm. yeah, it's um, pretty good. It's a good movie. Uh, those are all yours, Seth. Yeah, what, that's What it. you've been watching. Yeah, I've watched a few things this week. I took off Black Mirror um, on Monday, so the latest season. I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't huge on it. So my favorite episode was Beyond the Sea, which I think is the general consensus, which I gave a 3.5. Um, Locke Henry, I thought was okay. I gave it a three. Jonas Orfo, I thought was okay. I gave it a three. Demon 79, 2.5. And Maisie Day, 2.5. I'm surprised I, I you didn't like Demon 79. I thought that would have been something up your alley. No, I, I didn't hate it. I just, it just didn't really work for me, to be honest. Um, I found it quite dull for the most part. And I don't know. It just, it, my, my main issue with this season, it just didn't, it felt like an ho- a horror anthology and not a Black Mirror season do you know what i mean the only thing that felt black mirror was the beyond the sea and even then i found that incredibly predictable the beyond the sea episode i think that was the main issue of this season it was very predictable for most time for me anyway i watched the bride of frankenstein which i love watched all wes anderson i watched isle of dogs moonrise kingdom moonrise kingdom by the way i thought was great i really really liked that one um life aquatic of steve zissou i watched click which cam you are wrong click is amazing just so you know yeah, I saw your rating. I saw your rating. Yeah, I might actually bump them up to be fair. It's a bit low. Um, and I watched Alien Covenant. Wait, didn't you give it a four and a half? Yeah, I might give it a five to be fair. Clicks a five. I am, bro. I am. Nah, come on. It's not because the thing on. is, <laughs> I, so Click is one of those things where it's like I just have great memories of that shit, man. Like. I was watching it with my dad, and my dad. Said, I was gonna comment on your on your review, but your review was a little emotional, so I was like, "All right, I'll be nice." No, that's it's not. <laughs> this is the thing with like a click thing. Like, I so get it. I get it. When I watched it with my dad, do you know his dad in Click who dies, and then he like yeah. goes to see him. But that always used to say remind me of his dad, his granddad. So it's like this whole emotional thing. I just have a lot of like love for that. I, hey, I I fully respect that. I just mm-hmm. I don't have that. I don't think it's a great movie. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, fine. That's fine. I watched Alien Covenant finally, which fucking two point nine on Letterbox is crazy. Um, crazy high, actually, crazy low. 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 I give it a four. I thought it was great. Did I, 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 I really, really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I've just held it off for so long, and then I watched like, I Have Dogs, like I already said. But yeah, I watched a few Asteroid City and and Minari for our for our for our review. Um, but yeah, pretty. Have pretty, you have you? Have you seen Prometheus? Yeah, I think Prometheus, I've, I watched Prometheus years. I think Prometheus is great. Okay, I, yeah, so yeah, I, I think I, I'm a big fan of of both. I have both of Prometheus and Alien Covenant at four each. I actually think Alien Covenant I might prefer a slight bit, but I'm a big fan of the the Alien of the the Alien continuation. There's only kind of like one or two Alien fan, uh, films I'm not a fan of, to be fair. Which is yeah, um, I think they get like hated on like crazy, especially is, like, like the more recent. Yeah, like I think Prometheus is a very solid movie. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's so slow for an alien movie." I'm like, "Did you watch the it's first ever alien movie? There's like a ten minute intro, of yeah, nothing." It's because it's completely completely different, aren't they? As as Bob yeah. Ridley Scott really put a difference on them, yeah. which, which I appreciate. But yeah, I I really enjoy them both. I think the only alien film I don't particularly love is the um the third one, the Fincher. Well, the Fincher one. Yeah. I, I don't think it's That's awful, but I just think it was Fincher didn't take, really have any control or anything like that. So it was, take a wild guess. Who thinks that Alien Three is the best Alien movie? Probably Owen or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He has it at three point five. 
Does he? What does he, he have the other? He has, I thought he has Covenant like a four point five. Oh, okay, okay. I thought. I mean, either I, way, I he likes that. the movie. I have it at two point five alien throughout. I do think it's it's riddled with issues, but I still have a little bit of enjoyment with it. But yeah, Prometheus and the Covenant I thought were fantastic. Really, really enjoyed them. Cool. All right, Tyler, which been watching a whole lot of things. Uh, yeah, so I watched Blade Runner for the first time finally. I'd actually well, I'd seen the first like forty minutes like f- four years ago. Just couldn't get into it, and that's just like an example of why your tastes change over time. Um, but I yeah, I loved it. I gave it like a what nine point six or something. I gave it a five star. Uh, oh, nine point eight. Nine point eight. I I absolutely love Blade Runner. I thought it was just fantastic. That's too low, too low. That's too low. Yeah, true. Too low. It's too high. Too, um, too high. But, too high. Flip, flip those around and you'll get me. Way too low. Indy Blade Runner is fantastic. Way too low. All right. So so Blade Runner twenty forty nine is about to be a hundred or ten. Sorry. No, I I think the original is better. Nah, slightly. Nah. I think it's slightly George, what do you think? You're a sci-fi guy. What do you I, think? I about? like Blade. Like. Blade Runner, I rank higher on my favorites list, but I think 2049 is the better made movie. Really? I mean, I don't think they're yeah. far apart. I haven't both at four, but they're, yeah, they're not far apart at all on like my all-time ranking. I think like three movies separates them. I thought you were the original for some reason. I don't know why. I personally. Oh, okay. Interesting. Have you watched? You haven't watched 2049, have you, Tyler? No, I was about to turn it on last night, but decided not to. Um, it's a long movie, if right? Not. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, too late. Right. Yeah, I think we had yeah, to get up. Yeah, yeah. had no to get doubt. up super early for it's this also, podcast. So, it's also not like a turn on and turn your brain off movie. Like you gotta, you gotta watch it, watch it. You know. Yeah, first time I probably agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. and then uh, continue. Sorry, rewatch Bo's Afraid, which just it was so good on rewatch, man. Like it, it, it rose my ranks quite a bit. Uh, so much of it got put together. It's a, it was a much more clever screenplay than I initially gave it credit for because there's so much stuff that happens right at the beginning that just foreshadows the ending so well. Um, yeah. Just like just like spoilers for Bo is Afraid because we've all seen it. Um, but spoilers for Bo is Afraid, skip forward like 10 seconds. But like I just like in the very first scene, like the first like minute, he's like talking about like, oh, are you afraid to go home and see your mother? And then he's like, He's like, uh, like I'm, I'm not that excited, but like whatever. And then like it just shows the therapist right down guilty. So it's like him voting like guilty or non guilty. Like should he be punished to mm-hmm. death? And I was like, damn. Like mm-hmm. I was like right at the beginning, just immediately foreshadows. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it was much so much better on rewatch. I really, really actually enjoy. How much did your rating go up by? I'm assuming it went up. Um, I gave it like a six point six originally. Now it's an eight point three. So I thought it was wow. fantastic on rewatch. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix is like my number two acting performance on the year for for male actors. Uh, as a result, what's the one? Uh, Jonathan Majors for um, the uh, what's it called? Mag- Magazine Dreams, which yeah. comes out like December. Um, Maybe. Nah, it will. Yeah. The, they might put that shit on ice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, then I watched Soul and Wally. Soul was the first time I watched Wally was a rewatch. Both very good. Soul, I thought was like honestly kind of a mess. First like forty five minutes or an hour, like I didn't really know where they were going with it. But then, <laughs> but then the end of the movie was great. Um, finish I'm off. Surprised you didn't like Wally more. I am honestly. I think I don't know. I, I think it was just I've seen it so many times and it was just finally watching it to to vlog it. So maybe it's just like I just had seen it too much to like rate it as highly. Yeah. So it's just like too familiar. I don't know. Um, finish off watching all the Mission Impossibles. Um, Fallout was so good. I, I enjoyed that so much. Still not started. I really need to start this shit, man. Like, I'm, I'm, my time is ticking. I need to start watching them ASAP. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, the second one's the only one I didn't love, but I still give it two point five. Like every other one, I thought I genuinely liked. Fallout was the first one I loved. I know a lot of people also love Rogue Nation. I didn't love that one as much, but 
Fallout, I really did love. Henry Cavill was great in it, and the like crazy other guy was also super good in it. Like it was the first one I felt like had truly like good menacing villains that were written well. Because I think Philip Seymour Hoffman was great in his, but I think he was written awfully. So I think Fallout was like the first one that had like good written villains. So I, I enjoyed that one a lot. Then I also finished rewatch or finished watching for the first time the Psycho series, except for the 1998 reboot of the original, but all the Anthony Perkins Psycho movies. So that's Psycho Two, Psycho Three, Psycho Four. Um, really, really. I've good. actually never seen any sequels. Really good series. Them. I really enjoyed every single one. They're all good. Um, the so in Psycho Four, it's like a prequel slash sequel. So like they show young Norman and his mother, and young Norman's played by Henry Thomas, who plays the dad on Haunting of Hill House, like later in his career. So he's just like super good in like deranged horror movies because he was so good as the young Norman Bates too. And I actually genuinely enjoy Bates Motel also. Like I think all of them are, I just like that universe. Psycho 2. Psycho 2 isn't the Gus Van Sant. That's the remake. That's the the remake. The Gus Van Sant's the 1998 reboot with Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Is that the 80s one? The Psycho 2, I think. Yeah. Psycho 2 came out like 20 years after and then like 3 and 4 came out a couple years between. But it's good, cool. especially like in Psycho 3 that Anthony Perkins, who plays Norman Bates, directed it himself, so that was cool. Um, then a couple other things. Got to see an early screen in Joyride. Really enjoyed that one. Another very raunchy rom-com. Watched Monica, which is a 2023 release that a lot of people are rating highly. I, I liked it. Didn't love it. Uh, rewatched Hairspray with Riley. Kind of like, honestly, just a fun movie. I enjoy Hairspray. I had a good time with it. Sure. Um, which Hairspray? The John Travolta one. Where he's oh, the okay. old fat lady. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Just a hilarious casting choice for John Travolta. I don't know how that came to be, but he's genuinely hilarious as in that movie. And the Christopher Walken as her as his his slash her husband. Uh, good stuff. And Zac Efron, you know, classic. Um, James Marsden just looks like he's having a blast. Good times. Hairspray's a fun funny movie. Yeah. Just hilarious, yeah. like hilariously easy take on race relations. Where like. Dancing together solves all integration issues. It's just like such a lighthearted <laughs> take on race relations. That's just like so <laughs> jarring and weird when you first get in. You're like, oh my God, this is so like weirdly tackling these issues. But I mean, there's so many movies that tackle it in a more serious tone. So it's like, whatever. Like, I don't, it's a musical. What do you want? Is that it? Sorry. Yeah. What do you watch, was... Cameron? Oh yeah. I've just been I, like, I was, like I said, I was on vacation this past week. Just got back. Yeah, technically yesterday because we got back at like 1230 um, in the morning. But uh, so I've just been killing through the like DC animated universe. Um, They're like an hour 15 movie. So they're very easy watches. Uh, I think I got through five of them. Uh, I think there's about 12 or something, if I remember correctly. Uh, And then I've 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 seen a flashpoint before, which I think is great. And then everything else has kind of been a little lackluster um they're fine i i enjoy them for the most part i just don't love them um i like that they're they tell the stories they're interesting stories and you can do a lot more with animation um because like like everyone i i made a video about it like here's spoiler for the flash if anyone gives a shit but gail godot um makes an appearance in the flash she makes an appearance in in uh aquaman um which is funny that she's like cameoed in in three movies this year for just like like just made a small two minute cameo in like three movies is just funny but i do think it like works better to do like a justice league movie 
in animation because like it makes sense to have all these characters in one room or but whereas like in live action you have to work on actors contracts and they actually have to come on set and get dressed up and go through hair and makeup and all that jazz so it's a lot harder to get them um together uh like I think the flash tried to do it, but again, it's, it's just hard to do. Um, but yeah, I like them. Uh, they're fine. Cause uh, I'm not going to say too much about them. Cause it's just fucking DC animated movies. So if you're a fan, great. If not, you won't be, but uh, moving on uh, as always, thank you to the Patreon or Patreon subscribers. We always want to um, shout you out. Also merch as mentioned earlier in the episode. So just want to, Shout that out again, realtalkpodcast.com before we get into the draft. Also mention, uh, oh, sorry, I guess I watched Minari this week. Also mentioning that is our Real Talk review, a real quick review this week. So that'll release on Friday. I think we can all agree it's a very good movie. Um, but yeah, we'll get it. Or I guess I, I will mention Secret Invasion. We talked about the AI first episode came out this week. I enjoyed it. Um, I think George said he enjoyed it enough. It's a first episode, so I said it's a top 10 first uh, Disney Plus episode or pilot episode, Hilarious. so good for it. Yeah, good for it making that list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a good episode. I'm excited to see. It's kind of what people have been asking for. Like, there's no jokes in it other than this will make Seth laugh. Like, Olivia Coleman is like cracking the most jokes in that show. Um, I have seen some clips of her on Twitter. Uh, um, yeah, she she was fine. Like she's the most like light. I I wouldn't even say she's like cracking jokes. Like she's not saying like oh they're behind me, aren't they? Um, jokes like she's just kind of light hearted. Yeah, you need to. What's the dialogue like? Because you need to serve a living home with good dialogue. Is it, uh, the dialogue's fine. It's just it's it's not it's not uh, like a great script, but it's not. Um, again, it's not like oh they're standing right behind me, like the classic yeah, Marvel yeah. meme, you know. So that that's good to see. Like uh, like Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, he's not whipping out jokes left and right, you know. Like it's it's a darker show. They are trying to go for everyone said it the Winter Soldier feel. It's a darker show, so that that's good at least. I think I think people will enjoy that if they keep it up for the whole um season uh yeah moving on so like mentioned we're going to do a worst hunger games characters draft uh or i guess not characters so we are drafting the worst possible roster for a hunger games you must take one one robot one monster one man from a movie one woman from a movie and then one real life celebrity which I didn't know, so my draft is terrible. Does that have to be a way, movie or is TV show allowed? I think TV shows allowed. Okay, okay. Fuck, fuck. TV shows allowed. Um, either I I did say that, but it's fine. And also, we've talked about this draft before. Like I just didn't have any other I draft. I know. I, we I talked about doing this criteria. One. I know. Um, but I did the wheel. I got first pick. Um, I swear I wasn't cheating. But for my first pick, I'm gonna take my real life person think it's an absolute steal the worst person on earth I'm taking uh james corden just <laughs> getting him off the board just is that a bad, he's quite uh he's quite aggressive maybe that's uh working your favor mm-hmm. you think james corden's aggressive behind the scenes yeah, apparently he is to his staff to be aggressive oh really i'm sorry he's probably not the worst person on earth especially um with all the actual bad people out there but i'm taking james corden I just think he's bad. I just think he's a meme. So no. fucking funny. Thank you. Is it me? Didn't tell us the order, Cam. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. I, I thought you guys. I'm sorry. I thought you guys were looking at the at the 
uh, rundown. Oh, no. I'm sorry. The order is myself, Seth, George, Tyler. So Seth is next. Oh, man. Um, James Corden. So it's one monster, one robot, one real-life celebrity, one male character, one female character. Correct. All right. I only prepped right. one for each of these. So I hope none of these can take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the exact same boat. I'm going to take my male character... I'm going to say Kenny from South Park because he just dies as a guaranteed death. <laughs> I that's like he comes he back though. He could, so can they can they fully kill him though? He keeps coming back. No, because we're talking if it's the Hunger Games, maybe it's just you know one scenario, one film, it's episodic. He won't come back after that, will he? Mm. So he's dead. Valid, one less valid. person on your team instantly. Valid. I guess. Yeah, yeah, not a not a bad pick. I I I I'm okay with that pick. I think it's a very good pick. I'm, I'm also okay with that pick. Uh, I'm going to go with my uh, fictional male, and I'm going to go with Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's a good pick. I didn't think yeah, you'd pull him out. Pretty good I pick. mean, technically, a lot of people die. Spo- spoilers for Breaking Bad. Um, technically, a lot of people die in that show, and he's not one of them. So, <laughs> You know what? You're so right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm going to stick with that pick. <laughs> Okay, uh, I like that so, pick. So it's on to me. Um, Damn, Walt Jr. catching strays today. <laughs> I'm gonna, man. I'm gonna yeah, go. With, so I'm gonna go with my robot, and I'm just gonna go with like a classic battle battle droid from Star Wars. They can't make okay. any shots, and they just get mowed yeah, down. Like not, what? Not a bad pick. What's just the KD ratio for the battle pick. droids? Is it like one thousand die per like one kill they get of a Jedi? Maybe even so. worse than that. It's probably like ten thousand droids to kill one Jedi. <laughs> so the battle droid is a classic one from attack like clone attack of clones or phantom menace um and yep. then i'll go for my woman from the spongebob universe the woman who loves chocolate <laughs> who wants to ch- <laughs> that little like shriveled up caterpillar woman <laughs> she's not lasting the hunger games dude <laughs> she's not lasting that's impressive that was a good one um, my next pick, I'm going to go with my fictional female, uh, from Clueless. I'm going to take Cher Horowitz. Is that the main girl in Clueless? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. the main, main blonde girl. Yeah. She's um, not lasting. She's, she's dying. She's folding immediately. Can I take someone who's not alive? For a celebrity uh... or for like real life person. no i don't think you can take no, some that's be not a lot they got to be okay, able to go to hunger good. games tomorrow that's kind of good because I, I didn't actually want to pick that person we'll carry on uh i will go for my real life celebrity and i'll go for warwick davis warwick davis man oh what's his name he's uh he's he that's plays yeah, that's a good pick. He plays. I, I don't know who it is. He, he plays, plays the, Willow. He plays the professor. In, uh, he plays Willow. He's, he's he a, plays he's Willow a in the Disney Plus series. He plays uh, like all the Ewoks um, in Star Wars. He's uh, very, right. I think what, he does that. Um, he does what's his name. Warwick uh, Davis. He Warwick. How do you not know this? I think it might Harry be Potter. spelled like Warwick. Yeah, Potter. he's in Harry Potter. He's yeah, professor in Harry Potter. Might be Warwick Davis. No yeah, Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Okay. Um, Who's it at now? Is it George or Cameron? Sorry, uh, no, it's it's myself. Uh, Sorry. Um, I oh, think that's, this. That's, that's, that's a good pick, pick, isn't it? 
It's a good pick. Yes, you can good. you can tell me if this counts as a male. Um, it, it may not, but it, it's a male character that's not human. So let me know if this counts. But I'm gonna take Bustopher Scruggs from Cats. I don't know who that is. I've never seen cats. I've never seen cats. Well, it's a male cat. Does that count? No. Uh, yeah. Because like, yeah, like sure. the movie Cats is all like people playing the cats, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like they're just large. I have cats, no. Though. I don't think that's going to be a big me- needle mover. So I'm fine <laughs> with you taking it. <laughs> yeah. What's, taking what's his name? Bustopher Scruggs. I'll. I'll... Bustopher Scruggs. I've yeah. When you said that first, I thought you were thinking like the ballad of Buster Scruggs. I was like, who the hell? Like that? The guy from it or? From the Coen Brothers movie? Uh, you got another one, Cam, Maybe. right? Yeah, right. give me one second. Let me find the actual name to make sure. Um, I'm only seeing it. the Coen Brothers film here. I I'm, I'm seeing Christopher Jones. Maybe it's the no. Coen Brothers film. James, does James Corden it, play him? Yes. So you're picking yeah, the Buster. duo, the James Corden duo. Uh, so is it Bustopher Jones? Is that yeah, what it is? Buster Jones. I, okay, so I combined Buster Scruggs and Bustopher Jones. Okay, and then next, um, this is for my monster. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the high five emoji from the emoji movie. <laughs> that's a monster. That's a, that's a monster. Um, uh, okay. moving, moving on to Seth now. I'll take my monster, and I'll pick Mike Wazowski. My guy's a no, he's a little bit. He's a little bitch. He, he was on my shortlist. Oh, my, short my God. List that was going to be my next pick. Yeah, that's a good and pick. And I knew I should have taken him in the second pick because I figured they were going to be on it's some other list. a good monster to use, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. There is another monster to use in that series, though, George. That's all I'll say. I don't know. Mike was asked he's the biggest bitch ever. No, there's um, bigger bitches in the universe. <laughs> Fair. All right. I'm going to go with my real-life human being, and I'm going to take Josiah Coops. Oh, that's a big win. I like that pick a lot. I like that pick a lot. From TikTok fame. From TikTok fame. Yeah, so that's my pick. That's a good pick. I like it. Bust for so, I'm so sorry, Josiah. No, no, he understands. He gets it. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Uh, who's up next? Is it Tyler? Tyler with back-to-backs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, for... For a man, uh, I will go with Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my! Dude's gonna oh, be that's toast. A good pick. That's a good pick. See, like his brother took the Rex Quando classes, but Napoleon himself doesn't doesn't have that training to be a true brute. But he can dance and he can uh, so he can emote on. Some <laughs> Even his brother would be a good pick. Less than <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, a celebrity. Um, I love him, but. Dude got dogged by a camera. So Timothy Chalamet, he's not lasting long. <laughs> if a, ca- a swinging, no, ca- I thought he took that I well. He took that well. He yeah. took it well, but like I feel like us us getting hit by that. Maybe I don't know. Cam, maybe you're, maybe you're strong too. But I feel like us getting hit by that, well, we wouldn't. If have your awareness, that's <laughs> that's just strong <laughs> yeah, that's tough. But that's all right. That's all right. That was funny. All right, I'm gonna go with my robot pick. And I'm going to take from no. Toy Story Sid's spider with a baby head robot on Bro, it. That would scare the shit. I'd run away from that straight away. That might be the winner. Yeah, but that, that thing's like five by five. I'm stepping on that bitch immediately. Yeah, that's not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I, I thought of this so late and I couldn't think of a robot. I'm going to take C3PO because I can't think of anything else. 
Is C three PO bad? Yeah, C three PO sucks. Yeah, there we go then. He's a little bitch. <laughs> He's not winning any. He just gets scared and like runs away and makes noises and shit. That's cool. <laughs> okay, for my woman. Um, there was a moment on the Late Late Show where James Gordon dressed as a Jesus woman. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> and I would like that. I'll send you the picture. Yeah, you gotta send me. Wait, the where who dresses right. a woman? Huh? Where who dresses a woman? Uh, James Gordon. What's your fucking obsession? You went three <laughs> times in this draft. Yeah, three times. Yeah, Jesus you're right. Christ. Wait, can you take that as a woman if it's him just dressing up in honest? Uh, yeah, he, he's he's playing um he's playing um a a woman in a uh uh like a lay Miz skit. So okay. I think on TV that that counts. Um, <laughs> I really tried to find find one with him dressed as a robot. But I made it this far. I don't know if I can continue in my <laughs> James Gordon cinematic universe. Uh, damn it! Why can't you play a robot? Nothing. I got nothing. Uh, I'm just gonna go with a little bitch robot, Wally. <laughs> that, that robot's a bitch. Wally's, I that oh, uh, Wally's mad that, resourceful, bro. Yeah, yeah but yeah, all, all the other people that give Hunger Games out to be like, "Hey, come hold my hand, little guy." He's like, "Oh, I'd love that," and then just yeah. sock him to the face. I don't know. I think Wally's mid. I didn't really have any good, uh, good robots, but I, I really tried to get. I really tried to ham fist James Corden in there as much as possible. <laughs> is it my go? Is it you've got two? You just give two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, George, can I ask you what I have left? I can't actually remember. You okay. have your female, female character. Is that it? That's it. Okay, I'll go for Grandma Josephine from Challenge Rock Factory. She literally can't get out of bed, so she's lost already. That's great. From what? Yeah, good pull. Good pull. They pee and poop in their bed. She can't move. Wait, what movie is this from? Uh, Willy Wonka or Charlie. Oh, God. These, you know, these the, old, the really old one who just the old hags just soup. pee and poop in their just bed. Specifically, so. the one who like just says the same thing over and over again, just eats yeah. soup. So yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. That's a good. Pick. I got cool. actually no clue for my movie monster right now. I'm I'm very very lost. So I when think is it Mike Wazowski. Oh wait. Yeah, you already took it, Dick. Yeah, that was literally that was legitimately going to be my next pick. Like I was there, I was ready to go. There are much much worse movie characters. I feel. I like. can't think of many monsters. George, just I go can't do what I said. Another the other the, the, the rest of the Monster Inc. universe. There's plenty. Yeah. God damn it. I'm so lost. The mon the monsters is a tough one because there's like no weak monsters in film, you know. There really is. But I guess I will go. I'll I'll do another one. I'll take Randall from Monsters Inc. What? Randall? Oh, Randall being the best one. I don't know. I think you're screwed. You you played Steve yourself. Character. What the hell is Randall gonna do? Randall's fucking like he slivers. He's yeah, he not, changes color. Are we finished? No, we're not finished. No, no, no Tyler. Tyler. I need to tell you, George, who you should have picked for Monsters Inc. I'll tell you after. Oh, well, I'm Ooh. not picking. I'm not picking my monster Monsters Inc. Um, and between two, uh, does Casper the Friendly Ghost count as a monster? 
Yeah. 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 I'll give you. You gave me James Corden cat, so I'll give you that. (laughs) And James Corden as a woman. (laughs) And James Corden as a woman. Yeah, James Corden as a woman. Uh, (laughs) All right. That's it. Who are you thinking of? Okay, right. You guys have seen Monsters University, yeah? Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the dad. Yeah, the dad. <laughs> I was going to say that. Oh. Well, any of that group are terrible. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Any of them. Um, oh, that's funny. Um, but right. I I will say, Seth said I took three James Corden characters. The high five emoji from the emoji movie is also voiced by James Corden. Oh, so. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, so I just... I, I, I will say that just to fill you in on the Cam, fill you in on the Cam, took, Cam took James Corden, Buster Jones played by James Corden, Buster high Fur. five emoji. No, it's Buster, Buster Fur. Jones played by James Corden, high five emoji played by James Corden, James Corden playing a woman on the Late Show, and Wally. Seth took Kenny from South Park, Warwick Davis, Mike Wazowski, C3PO, and Grandma Josephine. I took Walt Jr., Cher Horowitz, Josiah Coops, Sid Spider from Toy Story, and Randall from Monsters, Inc. And Tyler took any battle droid from Star Wars, the grandma chocolate woman from SpongeBob, Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, and Casper the Friendly Ghost. I missed the grandma chocolate as I was looking up James Corden characters, but <laughs> I, I like that pick, Tyler. <laughs> Um, good draft. I, I think the goal of this is to get the least amount of votes. I think that's what the goal is. I, don't know, I forgot who that that grandma chuck. That's a fucking great chocolate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, we'll just we'll just say your goal is to lose this draft. I think. I think yeah. you want the worst. I think you want the worst votes. Um, again, thanks to our patrons. Go through our executive producers. Al Bodie, Alex, uh, Alex Kebark, Matt Wells, Remy Walker, Stefan Johnson, Seven Ma Jeffy, AJ Quigley, Alexander Biscardi, Ben Lege, Ben Hansey, Brody Young, Callum Singh, Cody Whitney, Dakota Buckner, Dean Cotamandis, uh, Dylan Chip, Ferdinando Ford, Jimmy O'Connor, Jordan Gag, Josh Hines, Luke, Luke Deer, Deerhog, uh, Marcellus, uh, Nick Shirley, Relapse, Rocco 1.0, uh, Sean Morales, Tad and Bougie, uh, Trey Rees, Will Kim, Eunice BBX, and Zach Graves. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports the pod. Thank you for you three uh, bearing with me these past couple of weeks. I'm glad to be back in, in my own environment. Um, yeah, just thanks for all the support. Like and rate on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, anywhere you can. Thank you very much.